So, Joanna Stern, you have a new puppy. What is, and it's a boy? It's a boy. What's his name? I had a boy. It's a boy. What's his name? His name is Browser. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, as in, well, not as in Safari, Firefox, or Chrome. Just Browser. We show we show no platform. <laughs> We're platform agnostic in the in the puppy family here. Somehow Browser makes for a good dog name, but any one of the individual ones would be a terrible name. I know. We had so many things on the list and my wife said no to pretty much every other tech name I had on the list. I mean, I think Cordy is a mistake. I think we should have named him Cordy. Hmm. I'm trying to think which browser would make for the worst name. IE. <laughs> Come here, IE. <laughs> Come here, Chrome. I. Chrome sounds okay. a little cold. Oh, you crashed again. <laughs> he crashed. Yeah. Yeah, so he's adorable. He's really adorable. I've turned into that person that I hate, which I'm constantly posting photos of my puppy doing, like, the same thing that he did five minutes ago. Um, like, right now, he's sleeping under my desk, and I'm doing – it's taking everything in me not to post another photo of him. Firefox sounds like a cool dog name. It does. There's been a little bit like of an identity crisis for him, I feel I'm like. I'm going to say Internet Explorer is the worst name for a dog. And I'm going to say Firefox <laughs> is the, was the best, if you, were, if you were to name your dog after any individual browser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Netscape would have been, would have been cute. Hmm. Maybe. Was that your watch pinging? Yes. <laughs> One of the little <laughs> details of wearing a watch is that now there's yet another thing to make sure is silent. I know. I'm going to silence it. Maybe I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to. And let's just see how many times it goes off. That's right. All right. I actually find, and I guess we're just diving right into it. I found, yes. and I even wrote about this, that the watch works way more naturally to me with sound off. I have sound off, I would say, in the, I guess it's been two weeks. Yeah, I guess as we're recording, we've had it for two plus weeks. Um, two weeks of daily use, I think I've had sound off ni- 90% yeah. of the time. Actually, it's funny because I usually, like, when I put it in do not disturb mode or, or silent mode, I forget about it. And then when I'm like, you know, I haven't heard the sound in a while, I turn it back on. Um, but when you say sound off, you, ju- you just have the, the tap dick. Yes. Touching. So I'm still yeah. getting the alerts. It's just yeah. the, the, the noises for them that, that I don't have on. Yeah, you know what? I haven't had that on that much either, to be honest, because if I'm in meetings or stuff, I, I turn that off. And it's not just about interrupting people. To me, it's, I don't know, somehow in my mind, it just feels right. It feels right that the watch is tapping me to say, hey, I've got something. Right. Sound, to me, it's like, I had that with my phone. I don't know. It doesn't, it, it just doesn't seem right to me that my, that my watch is making noise. The only sound I have on my phone is for my email hmm. or iMessage. Pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the other yeah. hand, I do think, and I'm on the fence about this, I can't quite tell like i kind of think and this is one of those things that even two weeks in i can't quite make up my mind i kind of feel like i want the taptic engine to be a little bit stronger really just a little and it just seems like every once in a while i miss one it's you miss one i i've had that too i've definitely had that where i miss one but sometimes i feel like maybe it's because my my milanese loop is a little bit loose my loop is loose sounds bad sounds really bad with the milanese though you can it's just a it's just a question of how comfortable it is though if you wanted it tighter you could just tighten it a little oh yeah yeah i find it so comfortable i mean i cannot overestimate how comfortable this thing is yeah 
I, it seems comfortable. I did not get to spend time with it. I wasn't sure what they were going to do, and I feel like... Which one are you wearing again? I'm wearing the Link bracelet, again, the about link. 90% of the time. But I have... I think everybody got the white sport band. Oh, no, no. I have the blue. Oh, you did get blue. I forgot. I, I remember from your video. Did you ask for that? Yeah. Or they just gave it to you? A little inside baseball. I didn't ask for that one. <laughs> but I think... <laughs> they didn't They didn't even uh, ask me. I wasn't even offered a choice of a sport band. They just gave me white. Yeah, I asked for black, and then they didn't have the black when they came to New York, and so they're going to get me to swap out the black. But actually, that's the one I'm going to order, so, All right. um, yeah. And I've heard from yeah. people, I have not done the, because we're, you and I are spoiled, and we've already got review units, I have not done the thing where I've gone to a store and tried on the watches. Me either. But I have heard from people who have, who... um a bunch of them seem to say that the various sport bands feel subtly different from each other. That black is even hmm. more subtle, supple than white. Um, not that they're radically different, but that they're different enough that they feel confident that like, with their eyes closed, they could tell which was which. Right. Well, I have this problem with the sport band, and I, you know, I, it's a small problem, so I didn't really talk about it much. Or you kind of see it in that video when I'm having a hard time putting it on, where the, the, you know, they have the small medium band in the in the same one, and then they have the medium large band. Yes. Um, and the medium large band is a little bit too big. Like the last one, the last, um, what's a hole? There's probably a professional word for that hole. Um, anyway, the the on that one, it's it gets a little bit too big. So I have to use the smaller band, which makes it much harder to put on, but it fits much nicer when I have it on. Mm. And for what I found, you know, I always change into that for for working out, and that fit is so important when you're working out yeah. because I found. You know, I did a couple of workout classes with the Milanese, went on a run, and I really did not find um, as accurate heart rate tracking. And then when I switch it for that sport band, it's far more accurate. The problem is it takes me forever to put it on because it's a little bit too small. But when I finally get it on my wrist, it fits perfectly. I see what you mean. I, I, I read that in a review, and that was one of the things I want to talk about. Now I understand why you found it a little harder to get on. So in other words, when you put the smaller – just to step back up, I know there's been a lot of confusion on this because um, I, I just from people who read the site and emailing me and twittering, tweeting me, when it says that you get two straps with your Apple Watch Sport, what they mean is you get two sizes. It's it's right. and it, and that it, that's true whether you get thirty eight or forty two. Um, so you actually get three pieces. The top piece is the same, the one that actually has the slot that the other piece tucks under, and it has the pin. And then you get two bottom pieces, the piece with the holes that you pop the pin into one is smaller one is larger i see what you're saying you're saying that the smaller of them once it's on yeah. is a better feel but because there's exactly. only a little bit left of it to tuck under right right i actually wonder like is that really meant for kids like who has that small of a wrist for the for the really when you when you get it on like the closest in strap the small i don't have it it's on the other side of the room and i'm afraid i'll wake up the puppy if i go get it um it uh it it's really small. Yeah, I right? totally... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I assume... I wonder if the bands are the same size. They must be, right? The bands must be the same size whether you got the 38 or the 42. No, I think that the 42s are probably bigger because the 42... Um, no, I... You think that... I, yeah, yeah, I think that the big one on the 42 is... Uh, it's just humongous. It is... It, right. it is... It's almost... I, I would... I would 
guess that there are very few men on the planet for whom the larger of the 42 is still not big enough. It is truly, right. truly, it's right. like putting a belt on my wrist. So the small one, actually for me with the 42 and you know, I'm, I'm six foot two. I mean, I'm not, my wrists aren't particularly large. I think they're, you know, for someone as tall as I am, they're probably a little bit on the small side, but, um, the smaller one, I use the smaller one with the 42 and I'm only like three holes into it. The smaller one with the, Oh, like I actually have five, five, or I think there's seven holes. So it's, I'm not even halfway on the smaller one. It's actually, they're very, hmm. they're, the 42s are very large and I definitely, okay. So that I definitely, that would make yeah, sense. And I definitely think that the 38 small one is definitely meant to range down to kid sizes. Cause we've done the thing where, you know, Apple has the, here's what your, you know, it, measure your wrist in millimeters and here's the ranges. Right. Um, and for Jonas, who's only 11 and is you know pretty slight for an 11 year old boy, um, he easily is within the range. Like it's not even, you know, he might even have like a right. hole or two to spare. Is he getting one? Uh, he wants one. I think there's some question over uh, report card grades and <laughs> right, motivating right. him to get one, but he desperately <laughs> wants one. Oh man, that th- what? Like I'm trying to think of what I used to work for when I was younger. Eh, I think money. It's or sports. I, I worked for like sports stuff. He his a, des- it might not shock people. I was a huge tomboy, so it'd be like if I could get a new. At one time, really wanted a new basketball hoop or right. something like that, or like a uh, you know upgrade from a crappy rubber basketball to a nice uh, synthetic leather. Right, one. right. That was always my problem growing up playing basketball. Was if I ever needed a new one, I wanted the you know forty five dollars synthetic leather Spalding, and my parents would be like, "Are you nuts? Here's a seventeen dollar basketball." I'd be like, "But it's made out of rubber." <laughs> yeah, and now now the kids work for Apple Watches. That's right. cute. Um, he desperately. I wonder, but I do wonder. I wonder, like, who that's really useful for. Like, for for I mean, for kids. I wonder what the use case is going to be for them. Well, we can get into that, but I'm again, it's speculative, and it, it's certainly and there's you know clearly socioeconomic implications of the idea of a, a school where a bunch of the kids have four hundred dollar Apple watches. Um, but in that world, I think that the communication stuff is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because they have. Well, I think it's. How old did you say he was? 12? He's eleven. Eleven. Yeah, I mean, you're not in. They have all these kitty like smart watches. I guess is, I, I guess that's what they're called. But you know, they are sort of the trackers that have the built-in GPS and stuff like that. I mean, it seems like that's probably not the right age range for something like this. Um, and. In terms of communication, obviously, it would be great for parents, right? Keeping tabs on their kids, making sure they see the like alerts or something like that. But I don't know if it it spans into that tracking type of thing. Yeah, it's no more so than having a phone. Um, having a right. phone, right? Um, but that's you know, and he's in fifth grade. I can't even imagine what it's like with the girls who are clearly more advanced socially mm-hmm. than the boys. Um, right. But even with his friends there's the texting is really taken off this year like fifth grade seems to be where the boys in his class have really taken off with the texting uh and i don't even pay attention to it my wife does just to make sure it's you know you know nothing inappropriate or whatever but it's it just seems inscrutable it's like gibberish it's like it's like a foreign language (laughs) 
Well, that well that brings me to the best part of your review. Your review was great, but I have to say the best part of your review was your your teen romance at the end, which is also the part that got the most. Like, are you are you freaking serious? This is a bunch of crap. You know, you either can see you can either foresee you're either the type of person who can see that scenario or you're not. And the people who cannot see it think that I'm you know that I you know I don't know drank too much rosé wine or whatever when I <laughs> wrote that part but I meant it seriously I really did I mean I think if if anything I mean do you think years ago we could have foreseen us communicating at all with emoji no I mean right like that I mean as crazy as as some of those graphs sounded and as crazy as some of these like emoticons that they put on here and as much as I sort of made fun of them a little bit you just really don't know. And like, I think it would have sounded crazy to us a number of years ago that like we would all be texting in emojis and sometimes complete sentences in them. And people understand that like that idea is, is kind of crazy. And I certainly think that visual way of communicating with each other, whether it's photos or creepy mime hands or, um, creepy heart rates, um, could certainly be way bigger than we actually think it might be. Um, but I think you were totally right to say that it might appeal to a younger demographic or it just might turn into something that like becomes this language amongst a different sort of generation. Maybe, maybe it just shows how old we yeah, are. That, well, I know. I know. That's exactly the sort of thing I was trying to get at. And I believe it. So this is a true story. So um, my wife and I grew up together. We were literally in the same kindergarten class. Um, and in high school, at one point where we we would one way we would more or less flirt with each other is we had a system. We were, we had the same um, math classes, and we had a system where I would I had like a I think it was a Casio, but it was the type of type of calculator that someone in uh, AP calculus in 1989 or 90 would have it had a whole bunch of buttons and it had memory and it had a way to like actually put like characters in there. So we had like this complicated system of letters and numbers to make letter, you know, to make notes. And it was incredibly cryptic, but then we would just swap calculators and we'd have notes for each other. And it was super, you know, it wasn't, you, you couldn't actually type. It didn't have A to Z, so you had to skip certain things. Right. Um, b- but it felt like it was foolproof because anybody, you know, like if a teacher caught us, all it looked like is we were swapping calculators. And even if they saw what was on the screen, they wouldn't be able to understand it. And at, What grade were you guys in? Oh, my God. This must be like 11th and 12th grade. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It's we talk. We were, you know, it, we actually were hadn't thought about it in years, but we talked about it in the context of Apple Watch and you know what we would mm-hmm. have done if we had Apple watches when we were in eleventh and twelfth grade. Right, right. Huh. I mean, it's also it's that sort of slide <laughs> is that three. I'll get a count. I think that's three. Is it three? Let me see here. Oh yes, my editor trying to get me on the phone right now. Sorry, I need to pause this podcast right now. Um, That's fine. No, I don't. I don't really. If you did, it'd be fine. Um, Wait, was that me? That was me. That was me. Oh, my God. Another one just popped. That wasn't you. Mine's silent. Because I have my headphones on, too. Uh, So if I'm hearing them, I think I'm hearing them through my mic. Um, Yeah, I'm keeping this on. I think this is great. People can get a real idea of of how many alerts I get. Um, Yeah, back to your... That's an amazing story. I mean, yeah, I think, like, 
there's also this this idea of like sort of slyly communicating with someone when nobody else knows, right? And so, um, like you were describing with the calculator or someone who's uh, you know in a movie theater or something like that, uh, it could be it could certainly be interesting. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I made some sarcastic comments about the the certain emojis, but they're they're definitely fun. There is a there's a bootstrapping issue with it, and it, whether it's teenagers or whatever, which is that these the most innovative ways to communicate the drawings, the taps, the heartbeats are only watch to watch. And so the bootstrapping issue is it only works right. if the person you want to send these to also has a watch and it's weird. Right. And so a bunch of people wrote to me after my review came up and they said, you know, for this particular case, I'm surprised Apple didn't give you two so that you could have your wife wear one and then you could try these things out. And they're like, so how did you try those things? And the answer is we like we're sending taps and stuff to people at Apple, Apple, you know, PR people and, and product marketing people. Um, I did not. Right. I, on, I, I will say this. I found it weird enough that I didn't want to send my heartbeat to anybody because it felt hmm. I, I don't know. It just was like a little I don't know. Just didn't feel right. A little too personal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been sending my heart rate to then my heartbeat to Neil Patel for like two weeks now. And I think it's really brought us closer together. (laughs) That should have sent mine to Neil too. That's what I should have done. Yeah. I think we are really, we've gotten to know each other on another level. So, um, I, I sent taps to you and you ignored me. Did you not get them? Did you miss my tabs? Oh, man. This is like the greatest diss now of, of the... It's like, I just ignored your tabs. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my face, tabs. Um, I don't think I knew they were from you. Oh, maybe they came from like a weird phone number. Maybe it was my phone yeah. number and not I my mean, Apple I mean, I do... ID. Like, what, what's your area code? Uh, 267. I don't think I got that. Yeah, because that's one thing about them. The The... The other thing about all three of the watch-specific communications, the doodles, the taps, the heartbeats, is they are ephemeral. And right, you so another there's, there is no record of them. There's no way to go back and replay them. So there's a sort of Snapchattiness, uh, ephemeral quality to them. There is no record of them. You know, so well they show up in your notifications. Like you can go access them after the fact. Yeah, but then once you play it, it's gone. Yeah, when it's wait, right, it's gone. Um, but I don't even think I got that from you. Yeah. Did you did you doodle or you just? Uh, I just sent you some taps. taps. I'll send you some taps right now. Send me some taps. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I even have your cell phone number. I guess you don't. You do need it. Yeah. You need iCloud, right? Yes. I also sort of broke my digital crown. Really? How? I, you know, in that scene in the video when I got some toothpaste. Oh, up, up tapped. Tap to you. Tap to you. There we go. Blue taps. Blue taps. Yeah, that's me. I'm Mr. Blue taps. I'm going to add. I'm not going to block. I'm going to add. Also, like, what can you really realistically doodle on this screen? Other than, like, hi and a flower or a heart or a... I don't know. I'm not going to (laughs) say what I would have done when I was a teenager, but... (laughs) But I would, yeah. See, right, right. It's funny though. See, I guess I didn't have your phone number, but now they're sending it as right. And there he is. Joanna sent me a green high. Yeah. So I should add, but I got to add it to your. I think really people really appreciate this conversation right now. Well, I don't know. I think that it's. 
it's I don't know what it is. It's it is makes for a weird podcast, but I feel like it's very hard to it's hard to it's really hard to write about, and maybe it's easier to talk about. All right, if you're quiet enough, maybe everyone can hear my heartbeat. Right. I don't know, but I, f- I feel we're close enough, John, that I could send you my heartbeat right now. Sure. Well, I got we'll see it. see if you feel that I way. I do have it. We'll see if you feel that way to return that. And I will understand if you don't, but I won't really. Oh, I get, see now I gave, see, this is where I sort I still get mixed up. I gave it a force tap and it wanted me to. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, it's, it's. I have had a lot hard time getting it to catch my heartbeat when I do that. Cause it's not like, also I have the smaller screen. So I'm putting two fingers on the screen, which basically takes up the whole screen. Oh, he did it. Everybody. He sent me his heartbeat. I don't know if you can hear it. No, I think it's hard to hear. Well, who knows? Yeah, we had to like, when we filmed the video, we stuck the mic in it and, actually got it but that um that yeah. to me though i i'm telling you that to me is is one that's going to work i think that people the heartbeat? Yeah, i think people are going to use it yeah probably it's just a way of saying hey i'm thinking about you right right oh certainly if it's uh if it's someone close to you right but i think i think i think there's that's like a something that i didn't get to talk about in my review and something i've been thinking about like as more and more people wear these, sort of like the iPhone, right? Like the iPhone became a really powerful tool as more and more people got them, right? Not only because more apps came out, but even just in terms of communicating, iMessage was one thing. I think like, to me, iMessage is such a huge part of my life, even though I don't really think about it. Um, But it's part of the thing that sort of, that's how I communicate with everyone all day long, my colleagues, my friends, my family. And the same sort of thing with the watch, right? Like if more and more people have this, there might be, there are going to become these ways where we can connect to those other people that have them. Um, and actually one thing I've been thinking about, and you know, I wrote this piece a couple, like a year ago, a year ago now about business cards. And like, I want there to be some easy way where if you see another person with an Apple watch, you can easily sort of transmit information or their contact information, like a handshake. Um, Do you know what's, I've been saying about this for years, so ever since the iPhone came out. Like one of the weird things about the iPhone is that there's nothing like that. And the Newton had it. And I know people mock the Newton, mm-hmm. but the Newton had a thing where if you met somebody else who had a Newton, all you had to do was point your IR ports at each other and it was like two taps away and you'd exchange contact cards. And it was it, you know, say what you want about the Newton, it was one of the things that worked great. And it seemed like something I, I love the idea of Pointing your IR parts together. <laughs> it seemed like something you should be able to do, and you could do it, and it worked. And yet, here we are in, in 2015, and you still can't do it with, even if you both have iPhones, let alone no. some way to do it where it would work with anybody's phone. And that was one of the things I, I said about the iPhone 6 when it came out with NFC was, okay, it's great for payments, but like, kind of wish you, there were more things you could do when you put this in contact with another phone. Um, and obviously, Android's done some things with you know their Beam, and no one really uses that. But it seems like, you know, especially with Apple products and iPhones, like there is this sort of community around using the same thing. Um, it, it just seems like I would love it if I could shake someone's hand and we could exchange contact info. I'd also like see so much potential in the social realm for this. Um, like as much as I see it as being a social norm disruptor and I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I think like 
for me, I also want some sort of app that like I go to a party or I go to a meeting and it tells me who that person is. Um, again, lots of privacy concerns about that, but like, I would love it if I'm at CES or some conference and someone comes up to me and says, Joanna, it's so great to see you. That person's wearing an Apple watch. I'm wearing an Apple watch. Couldn't it say, oh yeah, that's uh, John Gruber. Hmm. Right. It seems like, I mean, there's a lot of privacy concerns, but it's just like one thing that I could really use in my life. Yeah. I don't know. There could be some kind of way where it would be sort of like airdrop where with airdrop, you can say contacts only, or you can say everyone. And then if you were in a situation like, uh, you know, like a cocktail party or some kind of you're, you, you know, you're at a conference or, or a post of, event press thing and you you're mingling but you know you want to meet people you could set you could change it to you know open to anybody and then Mm -hmm. turn it off or even it could even be like the sort of thing where it would it would say like hey for how long like maybe for the next two hours and then go back to being contacts only right it seems like it's you know like airdrop shows how you can kind of solve that sort of issue though where yeah you, you know you may not want to be open to the general public all the time but temporarily you might want to be Actually, at the at the Apple Watch launch event, the one in March, uh, I forget. Like here, I I forget his name. Uh, <laughs> somebody somebody airdropped me a photo of them playing with the new MacBook, and it just like showed up because I guess I had my thing on everyone, and I didn't think about it. I accepted it. Like it said, like so and so wants to airdrop you a photo, and I accepted it. And it was it was fun. I mean, in some ways, I could see like I didn't really know what I was going to get before I opened it, so. Yeah, but it, it's it's definitely fun. Yeah. Let me. Those are my deep thoughts on that. Let me fun. let me take a uh, break at this point and thank uh, the show's first sponsor, and it's our good friends at Fracture. You guys know Fracture. You go to the website fractureme.com, and they take your photos and print them on glass. So here's what I want you to do: go this, do this. I keep saying this. They've sponsored the show all quarter long. Um, and people keep signing up, but I don't understand why people haven't already done it. Go through your phone, find your best picture from the last month and send it to Fracture, get it printed out and hang it up on your wall and see just how nice it is to have your pictures in the real world off these digital devices. Um, it's so great. And I think that uh, ever since I've been using Fracture, it really has reminded me of how much I like having my pictures in analog form. Um Back when our son was born, I just said earlier in the show, he's 11. I was still shooting film 10 years ago. I didn't really switch over to digital photography until like 2006 or so. Um, And we were just looking through a photo album of actual prints of photos from like 10 years ago. And it's just an amazing thing. It's, it has a different feel to it. Um, So fracture they print your photos directly on glass, not a piece of paper stuck to glass. I don't know what they do. They've got some kind of magical machine that prints photos on glass. And so it, you end up with an analog photo, a piece of glass you can hang on the wall, you can put on your desk. That's just the glass with the photo on it, like a like the way the retina screens are laminated to, to your devices. Uh, and it comes in these great cardboard shipping containers that as you take them apart, what's left is all you need to uh, prop it up like an easel on your desk or a shelf, or 
with the stuff on the back where you can get a hole and have it hang on the wall and you don't need a frame. You don't need to put a frame around it. It's just border to border, no frame. It just looks great. It's just a perfect photo edge to edge with great quality, super great, uh, color reproduction. Uh, I, I just, it's the best analog printouts of digital photos that I've ever seen. It just, it's as good as you can imagine them. Um, really, really great stuff. So my thanks to them. And here's the deal. If you use the code for the show, it's daring fireball, all one word, daring fireball, you save 15% off any order and their prices are already great. And they have all these, any size you can imagine from like little, uh, three by three squares all the way up to giant 23 by 27 inch, uh, rectangles. So go check them out at fracture me.com and print, get one of your photos printed and just see, see how good it is. I'm doing this right now, by the way. Great. <laughs> Don't want you painting. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Um, I mean, it looks like, okay, I just figured out what I'm getting my mom for mother's day. Um, I told my mom that after we got married this year, that pretty much for the next 10 years, she was going to get photos from the wedding. <laughs> She's like, oh, here's another year. Here's another version of the photo that you had last year. It's, it is a so, surefire Mother's Day gift for any. It really is. So this is like a great way. It's like, here's the photo we gave you for, for your birthday a couple months ago. But now look, it's on glass. They. Uh, this thing looks great, actually. It, and also, I want to get one for my office. They're really, really great stuff. Um, one of the things that struck me about your review, still talking about the watch, um, and something that we're not talking about fracture, no, but something that I couldn't test. I had no, I, I just, cause I don't know, but, um, how accurate some of the heartbeat, like the heartbeat stuff is. And I thought that was really interesting cause you have a dedicated, um, heartbeat monitor that you strap it around your chest and then you can wear it when you yep. work out. And, um, and you've done tests before, uh, for the journal where you, you, what, what was your conclusion? It was the closest thing you've seen to like the accuracy of an EKG. Yeah. So a couple of months ago I did this huge project and I'm actually like so happy I did it at the time. No one really cared, but, but now it, it was, it was actually really looking back on it. It was something I'm really happy we did. Um, I looked at, so it was when the Microsoft band came out, Basis's band had just come out and it's just like, I kept getting these readings where it was like, yeah, I, I certainly don't think my heart rate is at 120 right now. I was all like walking to work. And I actually, at some points was like, maybe there's something wrong with my heart. So anyway, I, I had started testing these. And so I went to uh, my, my general practitioner who actually happens to also be a cardiologist. And she did a whole full heart rate work, a heart workup. And turns out I'm perfectly fine, which was very, very good to know. And she also, we also did an EKG where you can sort of, you know, run on the treadmill and have all these electrodes I don't even know if that's the right uh, term hooked up to your chest and your back and all over you. I think there are electrodes. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it sounds about right. Anyway, so she, um, she had that, right? And so that was sort of the constant. And uh, I then also used at the same time, compared the Microsoft band, the basis band, uh, a polar chest rate, chest strap monitor and um i believe the fitbit was was the other one that i used i should pull up this article and um you know found that one of the things we found across all of them was that just it took them quite a while to catch up to what the my heart rate actually was um and so that was kind of the problem that i was seeing when i'd see these irregularities you know if it would say i was at 120 beats per minute that might have been where i was actually like 10 minutes ago or 20 like you know, it just wasn't catching up in real time. And so um, really, I, you know, sort of, 
called out these companies for saying just this is not unacceptable. Like we shouldn't be you shouldn't be surfacing information to people that just isn't right. Um, and so the thing that did come the closest to the EKG was a polar chest strap monitor. The um, I'll pull up the actual one right now. It's the H7, which works with their polar loop band. And so that was like really, really, really in line with what I was seeing with the EKG. And so um, when I was testing the Apple Watch, I compared the Apple Watch during a cycling class and during a few runs to that same polar chest strap monitor and found that um, during during those workouts, it was actually really in line. It was only a couple beats off, you know, usually in the range of five from the polar. Um, and so that was that was really impressive to me. The big thing that Apple says they're doing, right, is they're, um, they've got a really good fit with the sport band on. They also say their algorithms are sort of working to flush out things that might not be right. And so um, that, you know, also when you're working out, it's constantly taking the heart rate versus when you're not working out, it's taking it every 10 minutes. So I definitely did notice at times I'd look down and, you know, at the glances and see, okay, my heart rate, like for instance, right now says it's 61 beats per minute. Um, you know, that's probably seems about right. My resting heart rate's around 55 beats per minute. And, um, but, you know, now it's measuring, so it could be off. And I'm also, you know, talking quickly now, so it could be higher. But, yeah, I mean, it, that was something I wanted to make sure was was right. And I think you know, Apple did a really good job of, of getting that aspect right. Yeah, I, I think I'm in bad shape because mine's usually around 70, which seems high for a resting pulse. Um, I think it's I think that's okay. I mean, mine fluctuates, like, throughout the day of normal from sort of being 50 to 80 something yeah. you know it, it, um, I just you know, it depends on your nerves depends on if you've walked around it can depend on a lot of I things just tried it right now 69 68 just went down yeah See, i'm relaxing right yeah i relaxed you. Uh, yeah i mean um i knew that was like a big thing for me going into this because i have been looking for a, a device that i can wear all day long and also work out with and so Yes, you have got to switch this band, which is a little bit annoying, especially given what I talked about with my sport band thing. But that's, I mean, you know, I can't say that's going to affect too many people. Um, and, you know, Apple seems to get around it. My big thing with the with it is just it's not doing enough with that data yet. And that's, I think, where the potential of the platform is. Uh, we can go there. I, I think we should talk about it because it's to me, this is the part that I, I explored the least in my review because I'm not into fitness and combined with that, even just little things like with this stupid eye thing I've got until actually just until yesterday, I was restricted from any kind of vigorous workout. Like, so all I could do, the only thing I was allowed to do was walk, which is one of the activities you can do. And I do realize, you know, whether you're older or, or, you know, you have other conditions, maybe, uh, you know, a outdoor walk is the most vigorous thing you can do. So it's good that it's on the watch, but it really felt like as a reviewer, I was doing very little credit to it as a, as a fitness device by, going for a walk no i mean people go for walks. i know but That's, i, I mean, felt like i there's more i could have done i'm looking yeah um uh yeah but i do feel i feel like it's not just lip service from apple that they took it seriously as a fitness device like i feel like them billing it as as, as a full one-third of their primary use cases for it they're totally serious about it like could yeah. not be more serious that it's not just a watch that happens to do some of the fitness stuff haphazardly, like they are dead serious about dominant, you know, even if the the main thing you're looking for is a fitness tracking device, Apple watch is the thing that you should, is something you should consider. 
Yeah, and I and I that's something I shared in my review. You know, I felt when I started tackling this device, like you sort of have to make it your own, and I, it is very confusing to me at a lot of points. There's so much going on, and one of the things I knew I wanted it to be was a fitness tracker, both. Um, as sort of like a everyday fitness tracker throughout my day, but also for these exercise classes that I do a couple of times a week and have gotten really into. So like, I really wanted to road test it in those. And I felt like, yeah, this thing's great. And that's, that's ultimately why I'm going to buy the sport because I actually, again, yesterday went to another class and just loved having it on, loved having sort of a baseline and knowing now as I collect more and more data where I'm sort of you know, working hard or not hard. Um, and that's, I mean, that's again about the potential. I think there's a lot Apple could really do with that information. Uh, the activity app to me seems like a very, very basic gen one product and whether Apple decides to use that data or some other third party, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, the joys of urban living. Yeah. You, you like I that? Uh, I, I yeah. have it a lot. I live on a street where the ambulances go by all the time. So the talk show is usually riddled with, with ambulances. Uh, one of the, yeah, well, it's look, New York, we have not been able to open the windows here for months. And so the window is open and I'm not closing it. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's happy to say I can actually live a decent life right now in New York without it being freezing cold. Uh, yeah, I love. We open our windows like with the temperature where like people in California would would, would be like wearing coats, <laughs> right? Trying right. to heat up. Um, I think some of the interesting stuff that Apple has done. So I know the biggest knock against this, the first Apple Watch, is the lack of, or from a fitness perspective, is the lack of GPS. People who run want GPS tracking. People who cycle definitely want GPS tracking. Um, and I have friends who are serious about both things and they use, you know, whatever devices they do use, they do things where they get like a map that shows them exactly where they went at what yeah. pace. And that's important to them. And anything that doesn't have GPS isn't going to replace what they've already got. And that means that they're stuck still carrying their iPhone around with them. And if you're already carrying your iPhone around for your cycling or for your running, then who, what's the point of even having the watch? It doesn't, doesn't make right. a difference. Well, there's some little things, right? It's going to give you a much, it's going to give you a heartbeat, heartbeat uh, monitoring that you don't get from the phone. Um, but that's definitely a knock, but they've tried to do the way they've explained. And I don't know how accurate it is, but that if you go for a run, with your phone a couple times yep, and it knows how tall you are. You've entered in your height and your weight. Uh, it kind of gets a sense of your stride. You do a workout. You say, I'm going to go for a run and you do it with your phone and it has GPS. Then you can start doing it without your phone and it extrapolates. It knows, well, we know what, it, you know, his stride is and we know how tall he is and how much he weighs. And so it makes some guesses. It's still not going to give you a map without GPS, but it's going to give you a much better sense of the distance that you've gone. Yeah. And I found that to be pretty accurate after I'd gone for like last, I mean, the week of testing this thing and all the craziness, I like was basically going for like two runs a day plus a spinning class, which was just insane. Um, and I found one of the runs I did, you know, I just sort of knew how long the the path was. And so when I uh, just took the watch on the run, um, and it's this experience I have talked about now on a number of podcasts and talked about on in the review, just took the watch for a run. It pretty much very, it was very, very close to saying that it was a two mile run, which I knew it, it pretty much was. And um, 
you know, I just, I, I thought that experience was great because I had just left with the watch. I, I preloaded the watch with a playlist, which was a little bit of a clunky experience, but I got it to work. I had Bluetooth, he- a Bluetooth headset paired to it. And then I stopped at Whole Foods, bought a coffee and water and ran home, which was like just this really freeing experience yeah. because I actually hate having my phone with me when I run. Same here. I, it's like, Same here. Um, yeah, I mean, I even said at the piece, I was like, what I think the Apple Watch can disrupt, like working out as if like what the iPad did, or the iPod did uh, when we had to run with disc, yeah. you know, like it was we used to have to run with these clunky things. And yes, it's crazy. Like, oh, yeah, we're complaining about a, a phone we have to hold or put on our arm. But it is it's it's annoying. Um, so, yeah, that was like a, a great experience. I, for I, me. I think that a disc man might be the last portable Sony product that I've ever bought. I think. And I remember being so happy with it because it didn't skip that Sony had done this remarkable engineering that you could go running with a, spin, yeah. a spinning CD and it didn't skip, which was amazing. At it the had time. those crazy plastic things on the side. You'd like enclose it. I I remember reading about it. it was, this is pre-daring fireball way pre-daring. I mean, this must've been late nineties or something, but I remember reading about how they did it and it was pretty cool. It was a little bit of buffering and a little bit of like shock absorption, you know, to keep the, the thing on but it's it was a crazy achievement um but yeah i mean still even even so even though it didn't skip it was a crazy large device to have to to be saddled with while while going for a run right yeah and the phone still feels yeah i mean the phone feels that way i mean yeah it's like i mean it does sound like a first world problem for sure but um it's just nice to have both hands and like i mean also this is the first time i really started running with uh, the bluetooth headset that actually stuck like in my ears. I've been using this, these beats. Um, what are they called? Power beats. I think I got the same and ones. Do they have a red, yeah. a red cable? They That's do. the ones they I got do. those. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like a little bit of a douchebag when I run with them, but you know, ah, you always look like, I mean, there's no way to look good. When I, yeah. I always look like a douchebag. Right. You're right. Um, <laughs> there's no, there's yeah. nothing you can do to, to not look stupid when you're running. I mean, you, you know, right. Everybody's wearing tight yeah. clothes and you got something in your ears. No, I got the same totally. ones, these beats. The only thing I don't like about them is the latency. And then, I, But I did the research beforehand and everybody says they all have the latency. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and like the battery life is really good on them. I haven't charged it for like two weeks, like a week and a half now. I mean, I guess granted I've only five. Really is that five? It's got to be more that, than that, is it? I don't know. It's the fifth one I've heard. Yeah. I mean, so my one of my frustrations with notifications is that if I was using mail on my computer, I wouldn't be getting as many. Hmm. Right? Because if I'm open, if I have mail open on my iPhone and I'm looking at emails, I don't get them on my phone, on my watch as, as I, or at least they don't, they fade to the background, you know, on my laptop, I use Outlook and they don't. Hmm. Right. Because it's not hooked up to the, the. Right iMessage, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it works. I think that the running with the, or, you know, I've gone for walks without the phone and with the Bluetooth, uh, and it's freeing. It's definitely freeing. And and in addition to that, and again, this has nothing to do with the watch in particular, but it just happened to, you know, it was the thing that was like, well, I've got it to test it. I have to have Bluetooth head, you know, earbuds. So I'll buy some, finally break down and buy some. It would be just as true if I didn't have the watch, but it is it is as freeing as I expected not to have a cable connecting me to, from my ears to yeah. the thing. And while working out, it's, you know, or running or whatever, it's it's definitely, it, it feels like the future. They've got to get the, somehow somebody's got to invent something to get the latency down there. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think the GPS thing, not having it in the watch, you know, the um, Microsoft band has GPS and that's what kills the battery. Hmm. Um, you know, already the, um, the battery life is, is takes a big hit when you're working out with this thing on. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's exactly like uh, analogous to the original iPhone, not having three G which was, you know, clearly a lot of the, the top flight phones in 2007 were all coming out with 3G and the iPhone didn't. And Apple, I, you know, it was one of the cases where they were, it, they just said why. They said, well, it would, you know, it would kill the battery. You know, we, we don't, right. have, we couldn't, we don't, you know, we don't have a way to, to do it in a way that sustains the battery life we were hoping for yet. So clearly yeah. it's going to come. I mean, I, I would say of all the things people are thinking about for future Apple Watch um, revisions, GPS, I think, is a sure thing. But it's just a question mm-hmm. of battery life. Right. Um, yeah. So you had – here's another thing from your review that was interesting to me, is that on the days that you exercised, your watch's battery died. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I didn't have a single day where the watch's battery died. But, but really? But I, I have not been working out in any way. Right. Um, so the – so I tried to divide up the testing because I knew the last couple of days would be really not a good indicator of normal life because I'd be shooting video with it so much. Um, but the first, the first three days, I, I basically made it to the end of the day, you know, within the, I'd say, 15% mark. And I was fine by the time I went to bed. But um, a day I did two workouts, I certainly had, it was, it was, pretty much in power reserve mode by 8 p.m. And um, one of the things I did during my cycling workout was I did keep the screen on for quite a bit of time. And so that hit really took a hit on it. The reason I did that was one of the things you talked about in your review. Um, you know, because my, my arms are on the cycling bike and I can't, um, like, l- doing a glance at it doesn't turn the screen on. I basically kept the screen on for most of the time. I guess I was most of the time either tapping it or it was just staying on because it, it, it knew it was doing something. Um, but yeah, cause I liked to have, I liked having an eye on it to see sort of the accuracy of it. Six. But yeah. <laughs> what? An- Six. <laughs> Here's my battery life. Um, uh- from the first few days, Tuesday didn't apply because that was when I swapped I had to swap the first one they gave me out with the second one because the taptic engine wasn't working. So that doesn't count. Cause I finished, I finished the day with like 70%, but it, I'd gotten a new watch at like three o'clock, uh, Wednesday, 42 Thursday, five, but I was up until four in the morning. And that was a day that I had really, really like just spent the whole day playing with the watch. And I never put it into power reserve mode. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, th- I don't know if you can set it to do it automatically or not, but the way it's by default is when it gets to 10%, it gives you a tap and a, and a scary warning. And it says you're down, you know, your battery's almost out. Do you want to go to power reserve mode? And I said, no. And it still only got to five when I went to sleep Friday, it was over 50%, um, Saturday, 37% Sunday, which was Easter, which I, I spent, uh, with family, but I used it a lot. I was testing it. So it was down to 27%. Oh, I think I used it for driving directions on Sunday too. Uh, Um, all of that. What brightness did you keep it at? I haven't changed the brightness. So it's at the default. So it's in the middle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now here's the big difference. You have a 38 millimeter one and I have a 42. And mm-hmm. Apple on their website, 
even says that they their listed battery life is for the 38. And then they say in small print at the bottom of the page uh, that the 42 gets longer battery life for the obvious reason. That's really, I had not even heard that before. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's for crazy because I don't, you know, Jeff Fowler, who also reviewed it for the journal, I think he also said the same, you know, last through the day. Um, but yeah, I, for most days for me that that week of testing, I was down for the count around 11 uh, by bedtime, 1130. And then the days that I had done some working out, it had died much earlier. Um, and, you know, again, that like during that workout period, which for me usually is a 45 minute spin class, which um, is looking at the heart rate all the time. And I had the screen mostly on. So if you go to Apple Watch's website and go to technology, then it says, uh, so we gave it a battery that lasts up to 18 hours. And then there's a footnote. So here's the footnote. Testing conducted by Apple in March 2015 using pre-production Apple Watch and software paired with an iPhone using pre-production software. Uh, I think what they mean is it was using iOS 8.3, the phone. Uh, battery life varies by use and configuration. Actual results will vary. Uh, actually, they don't say anything about the 42 here. Hmm. I, I read that somewhere. Somewhere I read that the 42 gets longer battery life. And it makes sense, I think, because I think the battery is bigger compared to the 38 than the screen is bigger in terms of needing more energy right. to light up the screen. Right. Yeah, I mean, even though, even on their site, they say, you know, 6.5 hours for workout. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not abnormal that if you work out more, it's tapping all those sensors, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a hit. Um, but hmm. in short, I found that concerns, pre-release concerns that the thing wasn't going to get through the day was not an issue. Yeah, same here. Uh, but on the other hand, a lot of people have been asking me, does your phone have worse battery life? And I think I didn't do any kind of testing on that. And I was also, I've been playing with Periscope so much and Periscope is a, a battery killer. Yeah, uh, it really is. I, anecdotally though, I kind of feel like my iPhone has been getting worse battery life, but I'm still getting through the day without charging. See, I never really get through the day without charging. I talk on the phone a lot, so I'm not a good person to ask. And are you, are you in Manhattan most weekdays? Yeah. yeah, so there you go. I mean, and I've been in New York a couple times the last couple weeks, and that at uh, the last week or two, because um, I was in New York to get the phone, uh, I mean, to get the watch, the watch itself, and then I was uh, there over the weekend to see a Yankees game. Um, so I've been in all, and, and you know, you, Manhattan is notoriously bad for your battery on your phone just because you have such a hard time getting a signal and yeah. the buildings block it and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Oh, and I'm the worst. Like, if I'm on a subway, I'm usually like constantly looking for the little patch of service. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Right here. Right here. Um, <laughs> Hurry up and yeah. reload Twitter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I talk on the phone a lot. That's why I say like I never make it through the whole day for a charge because if I work from home, I'm on the phone all the time. Um, yeah, I, not the best task. Yeah, so it's but I, you know I I think if anything though that you, most people can can expect to get through the day with their Apple Watch. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, and especially like I mean, there's so much you can do to I think make it go longer. I, I, it's actually a really good experiment. I should try like how long turning down the brightness, turning on a lot off of a couple of notifications, how long you could go with it. I bet you could get into 
you know, a second full day. Maybe. I don't know. It's, you know, but at least it's a day. How, how annoying do you think it is to have to charge it every night? I thought about this. I mean, the question for me is like, what would I, what would it, if it was really serving a purpose at night for me, I think um, that would be like the big annoyance. Like if I really thought, oh, this was great for sleep tracking or I really loved how it woke me up in the morning with a gentle vibration on my wrist or something like that. But it doesn't do those things. So I don't mind taking it off. I mean, um, is it annoying to have another charger? Yes. I mean, between this and the MacBook that I was reviewing, it's like enough with the chargers already. Um, But yeah, it's it's not a huge pain to me. It, I feel like I almost cheated because when I, when I swapped out my, the first one that didn't work for the second one, Apple just said, you, if you want to keep the other charger, you can keep the charger. So I kept the charger. That's the classic move. So I have two and I just left it in my bag and I, you know, because I was testing it, it's on my mind. But so when I went to, to New York for the weekend again, I didn't have to even think about getting it from my bedroom and packing it. Um, Right. But I do think most people would want to, I would want to, I'd want one that I keep at my bed and I would want one that I keep in my travel bag so that I don't have mm-hmm. to, um, yeah. remember, like I just keep lightning chargers in my travel bag. So I never, ever have to worry that when I leave the house for a trip that I've remembered to pack a charger for my phone. And yeah. I feel like no, you're going to want the same thing for the watch. And the other thing I've been thinking about is it comes with a little, the little square five volt, uh, AC adapter that the phone comes with. Uh, it seems to charge like a mostly empty watch in about an hour and a half to get a full charge. I haven't really timed it like from a completely dead phone. I did. Let me pull up my notes on that. I, it took me about two hours. Um, let me pull up my, my first day. I timed that. It was about two hours. And that was from completely dead? Basically completely dead. Like um, Like power reserve. Actually, that day it was completely dead. Let's see if I can pull up my notes on that. Uh, well, the thing that occurred to me, though, is that um, you have to have an iPhone if you use Apple Watch. They're very explicit about it. It's, it, at the, you know, who knows years from now what you'll be able to do just with a watch. But for now, it is, it, it's not useless. It keeps the time, and you can use Apple Pay without the the phone being in Bluetooth range, but most of the stuff, all, certainly all the notifications, anything that's co- incoming has to come from an internet connection from your paired iPhone. So if you're going to go somewhere with your watch, you have to have your iPhone with you. So I'm kind of, I, I kind of wish that they had shipped it with some kind of charger that had two USB ports so that you would only need one thing stuck in the wall, yeah. but you could charge both your phone and your watch because as it stands, you're, you know, most of us, it, it's another device you have to charge every night. I mean, most of us... No, this is the same way I feel about the MacBook charger. And here's the thing for me. I've And I noticed this. I noticed it this weekend, again, uh, at the hotel we stayed at in New York. On my side of the bed, there was one open AC adapter. And so, uh, you know, to plug in two things bedside... I mm-hmm. needed to like unplug their lamp or unplug the hotel's alarm clock or something... Uh, or set up one of the things to charge, you know, away from the bed, away from bedside. Yeah, no, this is exactly how I felt about the MacBook chargers. Like, could you just put one more USB port in here, like, or something? So I'm not walking around because there's no other ports on the computer. 
Um, and obviously I could you know, get the, the $80 dongle or whatever, but if it just had another port on that charging brick for my iPhone or my Apple Watch or my iPad or my iMac, I don't yeah, know. Like when you're um, on a working trip and you have a MacBook, it is to me, it's a very common move, which is just plug in the MacBook, then plug other devices into USB ports on, yeah. the, on the thing. And it's, you know, one thing is in the wall, but you're charging multiple devices. I do devices. that all the time. Yeah. Pass through charging or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. It, yeah, you use it as a charging hub. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do kind of wish that little metal piece on the, 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 the thing that looks like a heart rate monitor, the charging thing, um, you know, that thing falls off my nightstand a lot. I, Neil Patel mentioned in his review he wished he had a, they had a stand. I, I agree with that. Wish there was some better way to prop up the watch on the nightstand. Yeah, I yeah, I I agree. Uh I know th- it just keeps falling for me like I keep every every you know, even if I string it around the back, I I guess that's what I should do, but if it just keeps falling off the front. And also again, like like you said, I've been porting this thing all over the place. Yeah. Uh all right. I found it. I will put it in the show notes. There is a page. It's apple.com/watch/battery.html and that's where they say that the, the all the testing was conducted on a 38 millimeter. And this is directly quote from Apple. Apple watch battery performance claims are based on test results from the 38 millimeter Apple watch. A 42 millimeter Apple watch typically experiences longer battery life. Hmm. So there you have it. You'd think, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, given the surface space, or that screen is well, and I think it's exactly like with the iPhone six and the six plus, the six plus does right. have a bigger screen, but it also gets better, ba- bigger battery life because there's it. It's just more important to have a bigger, bigger battery is more important than the the detriment of a bigger screen to light up. Right, right. Same. Huh. Yeah. So I, I pulled up my notes here. I started charging the watch at seven thirty three p.m. and it finished charging at nine twenty p.m. So just under two hmm. hours is what I had. My uh, my sixth grade science experiment. We had to do a science fair experiment in sixth grade, and mine I did mine on batteries. And the theory I wanted to test was, okay, everybody knows alkaline batteries last longer, but are they cost effective? Does do you actually is it worth your money to spend for the alkaline, or just buy the cheap ones and use more of them? And so, for to conduct the experiment, I put them into a, like a standard ever ready flashlight. You know, like the just that same. You know, yeah. that, it's like that plastic flashlight everybody knows. Uh, and the the problem was they all even the cheap batteries would would run the flashlight for like like twenty some hours, and so it kept dying while I wasn't looking at it, you know, or like while I was sleeping. It, it, so my parents started getting really mad because just to get like one set of data to f- actually notice when the light was burned out, it took me like like three or four tries each. And I can imagine the yeah. same thing like trying to test something like that. It's like. You have to keep looking at it to make sure if it's fully charged. And if you miss it, then you have to start all over again. It's true. I did have notes up till uh, 80%, and it was at 80% at 838. Uh, also, the results of my experiment were that uh, alkaline batteries were worth the money. <laughs> <laughs> so now I feel like getting it out on the podcast makes all the effort I did uh, – 30 years ago. I'm going to buy those batteries and see if I can put them into my Apple Watch. Uh, 
Let me take another break, yeah. and it seems like a good time for a break, and we can keep going on Apple. I want to get to the MacBook too, but it's—I feel like there's still so much more to cover with Apple Watch, and it's—I'm not going to get another chance to talk to someone else who's had it for a while. So, uh, but let me thank our next sponsor, and it's our good friends at Harry's. Harry's sells exceptional shaving uh, stuff at a fraction of the price. They sell razor blades, they sell the handles, they sell shaving cream. They sell shaving gel, anything you need for your shaving needs. Harry's has it at harrys.com. And here's the deal. They just looked at it. They looked at this scenario the same way that Warby Parker looked at the, the eyeglasses thing where there's like this cartel pricing where why is this stuff so expensive? Why when you go into a drugstore is a three pack of razor blades $20 or whatever the heck it costs? Uh, doesn't that just seem like it's way too expensive? And they looked at the market and it turns out it was. So they started making their own blades. They actually are so serious about it. They bought a razor blade factory in Germany. I, to me, it just shows how serious they are about it. They're making their own blades over in Germany at a factory that's been making razor blades for a long time. And then they ship them to, to the U.S. and then they ship them right to you. That's it. There is no middleman. There's no markup for retail. You just go to harrys.com. You sign up. Uh, and they sell you blades that they made themselves. And that's the long-term cost because you buy the handle from them, and that's just one time, and they last. Their handles are so nice. They're built to last. They're not hoping that they break and you have to buy another one. They're selling you a handle that's going to last for a long time, and then all you have to do is just keep buying, buying the blades. Um, you don't have to sign up for it at first. You can just sign up for a kit just to get a starter thing, just to see if it's really as good as I'm telling you that it is. Uh, but then afterwards, if you're convinced, you can sign up for a plan. You figure out how often you go through blades. You can sign up for a plan, and then the blades just show up on a regular schedule. You tell them how often you go through blades, and then they just show up when you need them, and you never have to worry about it. Um, Really, really good stuff. If you haven't tried it yet, I implore you to. You almost it, you almost can't lose. Because here's the deal. Use the coupon code TALKSHOW, just T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W. Use that code, and you save 5 bucks on your first order. You might say, well, 5 bucks. Who gives a crap? Here's the thing. They have a kit, a starter kit, that comes with blades, a handle, um, it, everything you need to get started. It's only 15 bucks. So for a $15 kit, you save 5 bucks with that code, it's only 10 bucks. So that's like a 33% discount. So you can't lose. So go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Use the coupon code TALKSHOW on your first order, and you'll save 5 bucks. You can get it for 10 bucks. So go check them out. My thanks to Harry's. Um, now we've got a Father's Day gift. This is great. <laughs> It's just like, I'm just going to come on to this podcast every time i got to buy gifts. I've, or listen. I guess I could listen. Uh, we haven't even talked about the software on the watch. And I feel, and I've, I've barely wrote about it. I still have like this, I have a couple more thousand words still in draft. I'm working on it. It's coming out soon. Okay. Uh, I, it's, there's so much. It is such an ambitious 1.0 product. And I feel like... Yeah. Uh, it's not even there are things to complain about and there are things to praise it's you know it and some of the things to complain about are clearly just 1.0 issues some of them i think are maybe deeper design questions um but it's just so expansive it is really really it's it's the hardest product review i've ever written without question i agree with you i mean we we had the the ability the the pleasure of having two reviewers which was um, a good way to break it up 
Uh, but still, there's so much that could be written about this thing. Yeah. You guys had two and Recode had two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it definitely, I think, helped to get comprehensive coverage from one publication. Because I really felt like I, there was just no way I could cover it all in a week. Um, so let's just start. Here's one of the complaints from your review. I'm going to, uh, well, I, I don't know if. Here's what I'll say. It's just a line that that I noted. You wrote, I love that you can customize the colors and details of the watch faces, though I do wish you could personalize it more with photos or backgrounds. Uh, And I have felt the same way. Like, I've felt like this, it it, it seems like it's it's in contradiction. Where at one point, I've felt like, I can't believe how much fun I'm having just playing with the watch faces and getting them set up just right. the way I want. And then like an hour later, I would think, boy, I wish I could really custom, I wish I could customize this more. Yeah, I know. And it's like, I kind of kept thinking, I was like, do I want to have a photo of, you know, I don't have a, a child now. I have a, I have a puppy. So maybe this is a good right. example. Would I want to have that on my watch? Like it's now my home screen on my phone, but is that something I would want to have on my wrist all day? Um, and I sort of concluded, yeah, like, or, or at least to have the deeper background ability, right? Like I love play. I, I, even on my phone, I frequently change my background on my phone, uh, either on the lock screen or on the, on the home screen. Why can't I do that here? I think it's a little, I, I've been thinking about it a lot and I feel like they, I don't think they're going to give it to us. I don't think they're going to let us customize it more. I think they might add more built-in watch right. faces, but I don't think there is going to be a third-party ability. Like, And if, certainly the current third-party... I don't know if there would be a third-party, but I think um, I could see down the line them giving the ability for us to change something from our, our camera roll. I mean, the Photos app is right there. Right. And then, it's right in and here. And do like a little like, Ken Burns effect, right? Right. Right, right. Do a little seven. <laughs> Do a little Ken Burns effect. I've thought of this that. This is too. a really important one. iTunes. It's an iTunes alert. It's really important. New new artists on iTunes. All right, let's hold that thought because I do want to. I want to bring up this whole too many notifications issue. Let's let's get to that next. But let's talk. Keep talking about watch faces. I don't know. I feel like, but I feel like they're not going to do third party watch faces because I feel like they. They want all of the watch faces to still be within what they consider the Apple Watch brand. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder about something like, like the idea of pick one of your favorite photos and let that be the background is right there on the line because then obviously they're not going to have control over the photo, but they would still have complete control over the typography and placement of what's on top right. of it, the time, the date, whatever. Or the style. Right. Like where, where it goes. But what, but what if, what, like, here's a night, this is, I'm like, now I'm going to design the watch face. So my favorite one is the modular one. Well, that's what I wear most days during the week. Um, and then, you know, I like to change it around, but yeah, I like to keep playing with the design of the modular one. And so what if you could put your photo in like a corner mm. or something? And it would just be like an right? like avatar. Yeah. Or like it was just a clean design where you had the the time and then like, you know, above or below um, sort of like Instagram's new layout app, right? Where you could sort of split the screen a little bit or have it in a, in a corner or something. I think they could design it really well is what I'm saying. I think, but, but still within like the constraint of a structure that they've defined. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. Fine. 
I mean, my guess is exactly what you're saying. Johnny Ive didn't want his very, very cleanly, perfectly designed watch faces to be tarnished by a photo of, I don't know, someone's ugly uncle or something. I, or, you know, or mostly just that they didn't want us to, to be playing around with it too much. I think they do want you playing around with it, but it's within these constraints of what they've defined as each of these watch faces. Now, there's another angle here, which is technical, which is that the watch, clearly the display is the biggest battery killer in the watch. And they're very aggressive about having it turn on mm-hmm. and off as aggressively as possible, that it's off most of the time. You tilt your wrist. I just did it as I said it, and it was perfect. It was act- it, it turned on exactly as I looked at it, could not have turned on at a, just did it again. So right. However I'm sitting right now is perfect posture for using Apple watch, but then it goes off in six seconds if you haven't tapped it mm-hmm. and they're very aggressive right. with it. And it's an OLED screen, the first Apple device with an OLED screen and OLEDs, you know, reason for being, I think is that yeah. it gets really deep blacks and the blacks don't require power. It only requires power to light up pixels in a non-black color. And the watch overall is dominated by black backgrounds. And part of it is an aesthetic ideal because it really does make the display blend in to the entire Sapphire or on the sport watch glass, you know, thing it, and it's in most lighting, it's, it's beautiful in bright daylight. You can definitely see where the display is. Um, so it's aesthetic, but it's also technical where these black backgrounds absolutely increase the battery life. And if you had a photo in the background, it would have some kind of detrimental effect on that. Hmm. That's a really interesting, even the fancy, uh, butterflies and jellyfish. Um, yeah, the background, it's still a lot of black and the, and they kind of fade in. Yeah. So I can't help but think that that might be one of the reasons they don't have that. That, that to me seems like an obvious watch face. How much black? The most colorful one is Mickey. Yeah, I would definitely say so. The other one that can be colorful, I don't know if you played with this, but if you go to the the chronograph watch face and you customize the dial, you can change the dial to be um, like a light cream color. Hmm. So go to chronograph, go to color, and then go over to the third. No, not third. It's the middle one where it says color. And if you go down, there's... There's two light ones. There's a white background, and then there's like a cream, mm-hmm. uh, a creamy like I don't know what you would call yeah. it, which is the most lit up. You, I think that's the most lit up you can make the display. Uh, it's probably close hmm. with Mickey. But the other thing is, I don't think they look good. <laughs> I think the chronograph looks better when it has a dark background. Yeah, Mickey might be the most. Yeah, I, I, this banana pudding color is ugly. Yeah, I don't. I think that they're trying to mimic. I think it's the closest they've gotten to skeuomorphism, where I feel like they're trying to make that creamy one look like an aged dial from an analog watch. Like a lot of old, you know, people who collect analog watches, the older ones, things that used to be white turn to a sort of creamy. They call it a patina, um, and it's a really pleasing effect, you know, aesthetically. But it's it. I don't know. Somehow it falls flat on a light up screen. I think, but I think that that one of the things, and I know it's another one of the three things that Apple says the thing is that it's a a great timepiece or whatever. I think people are going to have a blast. I had a lot of fun. I know it sounds stupid. I had a lot of fun. I still have fun 
dicking around, dicking around with what I've got showing uh, on the watch. Here's an example. So um, I got the watch and uh, it's funny because I met with Apple while the Ool conference in Ireland was going on to, to get the review unit. And I was supposed to be there speaking and I couldn't because I can't fly with this gas bubble in my eye. Um, but I was scheduled to do a remote appearance with this. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name of it, but I'm sure you've seen it. It's this. Uh, um, it's like a Segway, little Segway type thing that you mount an iPad on and then you can control it. It's like a remote telepresence robot. I have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, one of like the ones they have in all commercials. We don't have one in our office, but I've seen it's, it in other offices. It sounds silly, but it was actually kind of fun. And I got to like drive it around the room at, uh, at Wool, And I came out on stage and, and said a few words to the crowd and, uh, accidentally That's awesome. it's called, what's it called? Double robotics. Yes. Double robotics. Um, eh, but anyway, I had a scheduled, uh, appearance over, um, remotely in Ireland. And I was awesome. I thought it was so great that I could put on my watch face the time in that time zone up, just up in the corner. And so mm-hmm. I, it like totally alleviated my anxiety that I was going to botch it and to further confuse it. It was daylight savings time weekend in the United Kingdom, which is different than when, when it was here. So everything was going to switch on Sunday night or something like that. Um, so instead of being like plus four, they were going to switch to plus five. I just put the time up in my corner in Ireland and I knew that I wasn't going to be late little thing. And then once I was done with that, I had no concern about what time it was in England anymore. So I just turned that off and switched it to uh, my fitness tracking or something. Yeah, no, that's why I love that modular display. Cause I can fit so much info on there, um, which could be distracting to people. But I, I love it. And I keep changing the top left-hand corner to, um, either California time, like you mentioned, or to um, uh, the sunset time. Yeah, that seems useful. I might actually use that now. I, that's a, I've been meaning to try um, that. And yeah, I, it sounds corny, but I also like change them based on my outfit. Like I know a lot of people thought I was being super sarcastic in that video, um, and I, I guess I kind of was. But I do like that the either the butterfly or the flower watch face for when I go out. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, just because you want I mean, less, you know, like in the daytime, you've got meetings, you've got things, you really right. do want to see your appointment. And then if you're just going out at night and you're going to have dinner, you really don't need all that crap. It- and I and a couple of days there, I was changing the color of the modular font um, to the color of the shirt I was wearing. Mm. Felt super corny, but it, it was fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's if you can't if you're so technically minded that you can't imagine that it's fun to do things like change the second hand on your watch based on your whims, then it's you're not going to see the appeal right. of this device compared to other ones. I do. I think it was kind of fun. Right. I like changing yeah, the second I, hand. I like the blue second hand. I don't know why. Um, I will admit I don't really use the. You don't use the analog ones. Yeah. See that to me is a big deal, and because I've I've worn an analog dial watch for so many years now, my brain naturally understands time only by the hands. Hmm. And so, if I look at a digital watch, meaning digital, like it's showing the digits, um, because I feel like the the word digital watch is actually confusing. It's like it requires a long digression, digression, but it's like it means two different things. One, it means an electronic watch that is 
digitally driven in terms of how it keeps time as opposed to an analog watch, which is using gears and purely mechanical, nothing electronic. But digital watch also can mean a watch that is showing the time through numeric digits as opposed through analog hands. And to me, there's nothing at all false in terms of like this whole movement away from skeuomorphism about having a digital watch in terms of its being electronic using an analog dial in terms of showing time with the hands. It's just a different way of displaying the information. And when you have these analog hands on the Apple Watch, they don't have any drop shadows or 3D effects or anything like that. It's very, very flat um, and I think very natural. But that to me is how I tell time. Like I and it's also why, like in my review, where I mentioned that when I'm at my keyboard, I'll often glance at my wrist to see the time. And everybody's like, right. why? You know, and I even said, yes, I know the time is up in the corner of my Mac, but it just doesn't make sense to me in, in, in like just without having to even think about it way that it does when right. I glance at my wrist. And that's where I think like. They've. That's one part of the software I think they have done such a good job at because you're talking about these things that work so well for you personally, um, which I could care less about. Uh, I mean, I care about you, um, but I don't. <laughs> I don't care about them for me. And I've found some layouts that just work so well for me. And I, I've also worn an analog watch for a long time, um, but with this, like it just it helps me so much to see my calendar appointments. Yeah. Um, and like, for me, that that's been like, I can just glance down and I don't, and I'm, yes, I, same sort of thing. Yes, I get the pop-up notification from Outlook or whatever on my phone, but I sort of am able to budget my time better knowing, okay, I have two more hours till I have this puppy training class or whatever. Yeah, and I can even see, I, I think it shows that people at Apple, or especially the people, you know, on the creative team behind it have a very meeting driven culture where there's, you know, they're, yeah. they're in a big company, they're working at the same time and they have these things like, you know, design meetings and stuff like that. Um, I think it really shows that the watch f can be set up. You can configure it in a way that's really, really conducive to that. And I can also see why I'll bet you're right. I don't think it's a coincidence that the modular face is the second one. I think that for somebody who has a very, uh, 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 frequently has meetings and has a you know a lot of events on their calendar that that modular one is really going to be popular and i can also see why then you would want the time in in a digital form because then you s yeah. you see the numbers of the current time and you see the numbers of the meeting that's coming up and you know hey it's already 10:48 and i've got an 11:30 so anything I want to do, right. it's got, you know, I mean, I'm looking at mine right now and there's so many numbers. I mean, I'm, and I hate numbers. It's really funny that I like this one so much, but like, I've got the time I've got my next appointment. I've got the, the, the temperature outside. I've got the battery life icon 76 right now. Um, the sun sets at 732. And I love all that information. I didn't even notice you could change the color on that one. Yeah, so I, I changed it today to purple because I was wearing a purple shirt. Small things, yeah. you know? Small things. But yeah, I mean, um, 
And as I said in my review, like those are the two big things, both telling time and keeping me on schedule and as a fitness tracker or fitness device where this thing has really started to play big in my life. Uh, though over the last week and maybe my piece next week might be on this is sort of about that notification thing and how I've found a good balance in, in many ways, despite the fact that it's gone off like eight times on this very podcast. Let's talk about that next, but I have, I mean, knock another sponsor out here and it's our good friends at Backblaze. Now they are a longtime sponsor of the show. They've been, they've been gone for a while, but now they're back. They offer unlimited, unthrottled, uncomplicated backup for your Mac, all of your Macs for just $5 a month per Mac. Here's what the deal. Here's what you do. It, it sounds too good to be true, but I swear it works. I've used it. You just go to backblaze.com. You can add slash daring fireball so that you know, they know you came from here. Backblaze.com slash daring fireball. You go there. You download their Mac software. You open the Mac software and you install it. It's good software. Really, the, the, their engineers uh, are former Apple employees. They know Mac OS X. They know OS X. It's not like some kind of thing that was written by people who were you know, Windows programmers and then they did a Mac version. It's good Mac software. Then you, you get to it through system preferences. There's a system preference panel that you configure everything through. It just runs in the background and it backs up everything on your Mac to their cloud-based servers. Um, it takes a while for the first one, uh, depending on your upstream uh, bandwidth, but just let it run, let it run, and eventually it's there. And then after they have all of your data, everything is just incremental after that. Uh, you can try it for a month for free. Uh, just about anybody with a modern internet connection is going to get everything uploaded within days. And here's the thing. There is no limit. You might say, well, yeah, there's no limit, but there's an asterisk because I have a four terabyte collection of photographs. doesn't matter how big your stuff is. Anything connected to your Mac, all of it uh, goes up into your Backblaze account for five bucks a month. And there's no tiering, anything like that. You just pay $5 per month for your Mac and whatever your data size is, it all just goes there. Um, the only catch, if you can call it a catch, is if you have two Macs, then you have to pay for each one. Five bucks, five bucks for each one, and then everything is backed up. And they have apps for iOS, so you can do things like while you're on your phone and you need to get some file, uh, you can just go to the Backblaze app, and all of your stuff is already there. You can go get that file and do you know use the sharing sheet from the iPhone and send it by text message or. Uh, email or whatever. So you don't even have to have your Mac with you to access those files. It's a great way to access your files from anywhere. What do you do when uh, disaster strikes? You know, your hard drive freezes up, gone, kaput, or your, God forbid, your MacBook gets stolen or water damaged or something like that. Uh, you can go there. You can download everything if you want. It'll take a while, but you can do something. You could just buy a hard drive. They'll sell you a USB hard drive at cost. They'll just load all your data onto it uh, and you know, pay for overnight shipping. And the next day you get a USB hard drive that has all of your stuff on it. Um, really great service. It works great. And it, the peace of mind of this is just phenomenal. Uh, Joanna mentioned earlier, mother's day is coming up. How about this? Don't even, you have to get her a real gift. So get her the fracture too. You can't just say, Hey, your mother's day gift is I'm backing up your Mac, but just do it for it. Don't even tell her, just go sign her up for Backblaze. pay the $5 a month for it. And then you know that your mom's Mac is backed up and nothing she does to it. Nothing that can happen. She's going to lose anything from it. Really can't thank them enough. Go to backblaze.com slash daring fireball and sign up. Can't recommend them highly enough. 
Uh, I love that you just told people to get backup software for their mom. Yeah, but you, ha- but you have to get them something else. Do not, <laughs> do not give your mom backup software and tell her that John Gruber told her that was a good gift. You got to get a flower. You just told everyone to get their mom backup no. software. <laughs> got to get her flowers or a, a fracture or something, too. Um, <laughs> All of you listening who get your mom just backup software, you are terrible children. All right. I want to talk about notifications on this thing because I thought that if there's one thing that I saw across the reviews that to me I didn't get were complaints from reviewers saying, well, my wrist just keeps pinging, 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 and it, it can be annoying because they, I think it's really easy to filter it and to say, I, I kind of, I, one of the things that takes getting used to is learning what you have to do from the Apple Watch app on your phone and what you can configure on the watch alone. It is a little, it takes some getting used to. I don't think it's a complaint. I can see why you can't, that why they don't put everything on the watch. Um, but one of the things that you do from the phone, from the Apple Watch app on the phone, is you go to the Apple Watch app, you go to notifications, and then it just lists all of the apps on your phone that have notifications turned on. And, we- and then you can turn off on an app-by-app basis whether they go to your watch. And so every time I got something on my watch that annoyed me, I would just go to my phone, go to that app, turn it off, and say, I don't want that anymore. No more Periscope notifications on my watch. <laughs> that was the first I know, it was like the first yeah. thing I did. <laughs> like after I parted ways with Apple and I had the review, I think it took about two minutes for me to just say, all right, Periscope, you're gone. I had a bunch of things like that. Um, I'm looking through my list now. I found anything that didn't let me respond, I wanted off. So, for example, TweetBot, uh, direct messages. I love, you know, direct messages are very close to text, so I want notifications for them. It's, in fact, the only thing I get notifications from Twitter-related, just because I I know a lot of people have, like, replies and mentions and stuff like that. But, you know, people, like, we have too many, you know, we're just in a weird you know, the way right. that we're weird micro celebrities, you know, right. yeah, it's just, it, it sounds stupid, but you know, I get, I don't know, two or 300 replies a day. I cannot possibly, or yeah. I, I could, but I mean, it would drive me insane if I got notifications for them. But I thought DMs on my watch were annoying too, because I couldn't do anything with them. I, it, it's, it, and you can't really do anything with email either. Uh, we can get to that. I find the inclusion of email on Apple Watch to be bizarre and it seems like something Mm -hmm. it seems like one of the best apps that they wrote it works incredibly well and i feel like somebody really knocked it out of the park building it but i don't understand why like i mean why it's there because you can't reply there is no way to reply to an email um i guess i can understand you know i I say that and I'm being a little bit hyperbolic because I understand that sometimes if you get a really important email, you might want to see it right there on the watch and then you have to do something. But the fact that you then have to do something on the phone, I don't know. There's a certain, uh, it crosses a line that to me, it's, it's why I never liked wearing my original pebble, put aside the size of the pebble and the screen and whatever. The thing that always got me with the original pebble was I could never respond. I always had to go back to the phone. And every once in a while, I'd get, you know, as I tried it, I'd say, like, well, I'm glad I saw that on my wrist, but now I have to go to my phone to reply. Like, I reply to text messages using the watch frequently. It's You do, with voice. Or with sometimes, some you know, the auto buttons are actually pretty good in yeah. some cases. Yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, right. You know. And you can set those. 
Yeah. Uh, but the voice works pretty well for me. And again, that is going to vary by your, you know, your current mm-hmm. cellular collection connection. Um, but I wrote weeks ago that I have found Siri to be getting a lot better at dictation, at the very least if, in terms of, um, you know, just when you talk to Siri, whether it's on the watch or on the phone, uh, the transcription happens faster. It seems to be happening a lot more accurately. Uh, and it's really pretty good. And it's a little frustrating from the Here's the biggest frustration on a watch is there's no text editing. So if it gets it almost right, if I dictate a sentence long response via the watch, but it has one Siriism, whatever you want to call it, the typos that Siri gives right. you, you have to decide whether you scrap the whole thing and start over or just let it fly and hope that your correspondent sympathizes and understands. Right. Yeah, I found it. Um, one thing I did find Siri really helpful with, and I know you can't respond to emails, but it is helpful. Like if I get an email that says a company can meet at 2 p.m., I have Siri make that. I've, I've done this, had Siri make that appointment on my email, on my calendar through the watch. Um, I Yeah, I guess like it would really be nice to be able to respond to those people and say, yes, I can make that meeting. I understand why they don't let you respond and they do for texts because texts tend to be one sentence at a time. And even though... Right, or a word. Yeah, and even though you might send to some emails, yes, two o'clock is fine or, you know, absolutely or something like that. Um, a lot of times you don't. There's a lot of emails that mm-hmm. require even just a few sentences. And once you get to a few sentences, the odds of the dictation being perfect are very low. And the fact that you can't text right. edit, you know, I'd use the dictation on my phone tons too, especially on the East coast in winter where my hands are cold and I might be outside. Uh, and again, that's what made me write the thing a couple of weeks ago about how I've noticed that it's getting better. But the thing with the phone is if there's one stupid mistake in the what Siri transcribed, you can double click that word, hit the microphone button again and replace that one word by, you know, enunciating right. much more you know, as clearly as you can what that word was. You can't do that with the watch. Um, and it's like the one downside to that. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I just in terms of email, I have a lot more frustrations that go way beyond the reply stuff. Um, but again, I think that's mostly my frustrations with some of the notification customization features or lack hmm. thereof. Um. Yeah, I mean, one thing, and I and I've set up VIP, but. To me, VIP doesn't go far enough, right? And it, this is some of the intelligence that I think Apple stands to learn a lot from Google and where I do feel like the missing presence of Google on this device is in Gmail, for instance. I mean, yes, I do get the the, the notifications that hit, in, like I use Inbox. I do get those notifications on my wrist. Um, and those, those are usually really helpful. Usually inbox is really good at knowing when I like emails or when I don't like emails, um, and, you know, surfacing ones from friends and family, putting the other ones in their other filters. Um, I don't know if John, if you use it, but, um, I find it really helpful. And then in mail, it's just, there's so many other emails beyond VIP, those people that I've designated as VIPs that I want. Um, coming to my wrist and it just you don't have that level of granu- granularity you can't 
specific, you know, mail doesn't know well enough which people I'd like to respond to, which emails are important to me. Yeah, I think Stephen Levy had a piece just yesterday at his back channel thing at, at Medium where he talked about like that we need like the next level for AI to go is notification filtering. It's yeah, it is. It, it's too it's too hard to do by rules. And I think back to spam filtering. I remember when spam first became a problem with email, you know, like in the late nineties and the way I dealt with it and the way most people I knew dealt with it is we had a bunch of filters rules. We, you know, you would just set up your mail client mm-hmm. with a bunch of rules and there was, you know, uh, I don't know, little things like, I still uh, do that. Like if you're on corporate mailing lists, you still have to do that. You do definitely. But for the most part though, most spam is already, you know, there's no way that you could have without something like, you know, uh, uh right. a, a system level above you, not your rules you'd be inundated and cause they just, there's mm-hmm. it's whack-a-mole. Um, I remember there, but there were like, uh, you know, six or seven rules you could use and then boom, you could cut your spam by like 90%. Right. And it's just right. not enough anymore. And I kind of feel like notifications are that way where you can right now. It's like, we're at that era where we're setting up our own filters. Like you're saying, uh, okay, I don't want all my email. That's crazy, but I do want the people on this VIP list. Okay, there you go. And right. it's I, I see I know what you mean though because it's there's always going to be an important email that isn't from someone right. who's already on your VIP list, and then you're gonna you want that. And it seems as though there ought to be a way for AI to figure that out. And it's you know, and if right. anybody's going to get that best, if anybody's doing it already, it's definitely Google because that's right right in the, it's there we all have yeah for sure. And I mean, that's, that's like, for instance, why you keep hearing these pings today, because I've been out and about with the with the puppy, and I wanted to keep my email alerts on, because I've been waiting for an email back from from Google, actually. And um, if I turned on my VIP thing, like, I don't have that specific contact as a VIP, why would I, right? But if I don't, if I don't, like, I, there's no way to get the stuff in the middle. Yeah. Right? It's either it's giving me the lowest hanging stuff, which is like, Emails from, you know, general Wall Street Journal editors about SEO term words. And then I'm getting iTunes spam. And then I'm getting when that email comes in from that person from Google and immediately on my wrist when I'm out and about in the apartment. Can I tell you, it just kicked in because I had this show on my watch and I guess I only had it scheduled for 90 minutes. So it's over. Um, One of my least favorite things on the watch face is if you have your next event as one of the complications when you're done for the day, it changes to say no more events. And it's like in all capital letters. And it, it, it just seems like visual pollution to me. <laughs> no more events. It makes me feel like I'm there. I'm doing something wrong that I don't have anything else scheduled today. You have nothing else to do today. Uh, you can go to bed. Yeah. No, I totally agree with the notification. I want, I want my, I want this whole thing to just figure out what I, what I want on my, on my wrist. Right. And it could maybe use, um, Maybe if there was like a way to give a thumbs down to a notification that gets through, you know, and, and maybe like some kind of way where you could give a thumbs down to a notification that gets through that you really didn't want. And conversely, on your phone, to give a thumbs up to a notification that was only on your phone and didn't go to your wrist mm-hmm. to say, oh, this was good. I wish that this had gone to my wrist. And, and then it could right. learn. It from needs that. a little bit of that feedback for sure. And I don't think, Definitely. I don't think. 
I mean, that's how that's how Google's learning, right. right? I mean, they knew they know what we favorite, right? That's part of what what they do. And like, if I move something from, um, you know, whatever they call it, my prom- uh, not promotions, the updates. Yeah updates is one of the things that they sometimes don't get right they'll put things that i that are important to me in updates in that filter and i drag it you know they automatically start putting things there uh do you keep the notifications indicator on it's that red dot at the top i do but i i this is part of this piece i might want to write for next week that thing can control your life like i look down and i'm like "Uh uh-oh you know, it's sort of like that. It, it to me, it reminds me of the blinking red dot from the BlackBerry that, BlackBerry Ages. That was exactly I, what I was going to ask you. As a known former recovering, it is, and you, and it's like I got to look. I got to look. Like even though it's probably not something I care about at all, I need to look. Now, I've never been a BlackBerry user, but I know enough that the. The idea is that Blackberries had a physical red LED, and it would blink if you had new messages. And then you've, your BlackBerry was blinking red. You could leave it on your desk or something, and you could walk away, and you come back, and it's blinking red. You pick up your BlackBerry, and you see what is it. Um, and I remember when in that era when BlackBerry users were switching to Android phones and iPhones, um, that the thing that it just kept, I kept seeing over and over again is I don't know what to do without that red light. God, I, yeah. I, I don't even want to tell Apple how much more money I would spend for an otherwise identical iPhone with a blinking red light. Right? And I, I heard that from right. so many people. And you probably did, too, because you're a known sympathizer to the BlackBerry addict cause. I can see why, though, now with this watch. Like, I still have it on, but I'm thinking... By the way, I still think that red light on, a, on an iPhone would save a lot of battery life. I, I see the appeal of it. To me, it's the exact equivalent of the um, the ringer switch on the iPhone, which most phones don't come with. Most like Android phones don't have a dedicated on-off ringer switch, and I don't know what I would do without that. I love my ringer switch. It would drive me. And in fact, when I do try using phones other than the iPhone, like I have the, uh, the second-gen Moto X here, um, Honest to God, I think my single biggest complaint about it is that it doesn't have a ringer switch. Above and beyond all of you know the things that I would prefer about iOS versus uh, Android and the physical hardware of the phone, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that just drives me nuts is that I can't just silence it without turning it on. And I know that there's a quick way to do it from the top. You go down and it's a couple of taps. But I'm just addicted to the way that I can just turn it on and off without even looking at it. Uh, and to me, in, I don't, I don't, in that same way, that's what the blinking red light on the BlackBerry was. It was a way of saying, we're just going to put this on the device. We're going to make it a hardware feature, not a software feature that you can tell if there's something new. Yeah, I'm looking at I don't think I really ever use the, the ring. Oh, my God. Are you crazy? Do you leave it on or do you leave it off? I leave it on. So you always have sounds coming from your iPhone? Pretty much. I would unless I'm doing like going to something and I use it or just silence it. No, see, I keep it silenced because I just fe- otherwise I feel like I'm getting bombarded with sounds all the time. I like to have it off. I mean, honestly, you know what? I really only check it. I use this to check to make sure I'm getting uh, like my alarm's going to go off in the morning. <laughs> well, uh, see, that's you know, I 
not everybody is addicted to everything, right? It's like, but to me, like, it's incomprehensible to me that every phone doesn't come with a switch like this. And I, it's my, as the time has gone on, it's my least favorite thing about the current generation of iPads where they got rid of that switch. Hmm. And I know other people use it. It was like you could configure it on the iPads to be either a rotation lock or right. the sound lock. But right. I kept it as sound yes, lock. Yes, that's what I used to use it as. I still kept it as sound lock. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love this little... I mean, I hate this little red button, but I hate. I love it also. I, I've got to turn it off, I think. Yeah. I, I kind of think I'm going to end up turning it off in the long run. And just you know, I'll just check by swiping down to see if there are notifications yeah. that, I've, you know, that are still pending. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, one thing, too. Like, does this – I have to clean these all out, but does this mimic the notification tray on your phone? It does, right? Uh, I think so, except the one on your phone can have more because some of them don't go through. Yeah, I wish there was a way to clear these all. Here it is. Force touch it. Oh, no. Is this a secret force touch? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is the craziest thing to me. Secret okay? force touch is secret force touch is like a mind bending thing. I've just changed you find your life things, though, right? You find things that are just not you would never have known you would have never thought to force touch on that menu. I never would have thought to force touch on the notification menu. Just like I was on the Verge cast last week, I would have never thought to force touch on the emojis. <laughs> to change you can change like the the pac-man uh smiley guy to a red uh red-faced pac-man you can smiley change guy. the hearts to purple right <laughs> you can get a purple heart on this thing that is my tip i know that it's you know 10 days away 10 two weeks away from everybody out there getting their apple watches yeah. but i'm telling you my number if there's one thing you remember from this episode of the show when you get your apple watch it's don't forget to try force tap everywhere you go no force touch everything uh just force touch every single thing on, on the watch. So force touching notification center, or I don't know what they call it, if they call it, but when you come... This is mind you, change. This is like completely life you changing. Come, Just clear them all. Come off, down from the top off. and force touch, and you get one button, clear all, and they all go away. So let me tell you this. I'm so addicted to that that I've started doing it on my phone <laughs> because one of the things, that, and it's a longstanding complaint a lot of people have, is on the iPhone, you can't yeah. you can't clear all of your notifications. You can only do it app right. by app. you got to hit the X. And you, you have to hit and you X. have to hit clear again, and then you have to hit the next X, then clear. So I just, I've started force touching my phone, thinking that I can clear all because I clear all on my watch I mean, all the time. We're pretty sure force touch is coming to the phone, right? I mean, it seems like yeah. yeah. But I re- here's the big, we could go on and on about this, but here's my th- my question about it with the phone is we have two two devices with force touch, and and I want to talk to you about the MacBook too, um, and we can get to it there, but. So we have the new MacBook, which has the Force Touch trackpad, and we have the watch, which has Force Touch on this little tiny screen. On the watch, Force Touch, it, the whole screen is just effectively a button. It doesn't matter where you Force Touch. It's just a, it's either a Force Tap or not a Force Tap, and that's it. A regular tap has location like a touchscreen. If you tap hard, it's just a Force Tap. It doesn't matter where. So you can't Force Tap on a thing on the watch. And I think that makes sense because it's so small on the trackpad. Obviously it's very, very precise and you get a, you get the taptic feedback exactly where your finger is. So I think it's definitely coming to the iPhone. I think it's coming to the iPad eventually. If not this year, it'll be just one more year. But my question is, is on these phones and tablets, is it going to be like precise 
or is it going to be like the watch where it's like you've just force tapped and that's it and it you know it doesn't matter where your finger is on the screen I think it's going to be precise depending on the screen size, right? I think like on the MacBook, you can force touch on a word. Right. And that's very precise. So I could see that also being an option on um, on the, um, the phone and on the iPhone, right? Like if I force touched uh, on instead of uh, double tapped on a word, I, maybe something else would happen. Uh, I mean, I... I definitely want it to work that way on my iPhone. I want it to be like precise so I can force tap on a word, but I'm, I just wonder whether I'm setting myself up for disappointment because engineering wise, like it can't, right. They can make the trackpad so that the trackpad is Mm -hmm. underneath Mm -hmm. the trackpad is entirely set up as a haptic feedback thing, but there may not be it because the, this, the phone, all there is, is a screen effectively that they may not have the room to make the whole thing you know, precisely taptic. I, I don't know. Right. I might be setting myself up for disappointment there. So I'm, I'm not letting myself get, yeah, too I guess I, now that I think about it too, but, but yeah, it's certainly I like, know. I would be very happy to force touch on the notifications clear all. Right. You know what? I'd be also really happy for Apple. If you are listening to this podcast, I want to force touch in control center on the wireless command, the little wireless circle. And I want to go to the settings menu and there I want to be able the the wireless settings menu and I want to be able to get to Wi-Fi. Oh. Okay. I see what you That's mean. a request. So you go from control center, force touch on the look. I hate that I can't get to settings from control center. I see what you mean, where you would just I want to tap just it to toggle press. it on and off, but do a do a force touch on it and then jump to the settings for Bluetooth. Yes. That is, that is, I would, I would be very, very, I would be so happy. That would make a lot of sense. And then you could do it like with all of them. Cause then you could do it with do not disturb. And instead of just turning Mm -hmm. it on or off, you would jump to your do not disturb settings and you could change like the time that it's scheduled for. Right. I mean, most of the time when I'm turning on and off Wi-Fi, it's true. I'm, I'm just getting on my home network or whatever. For some reason I turned off Wi-Fi. I don't know. It was slow or something someplace and I turned it off. But a lot of the time... I'm also going to someplace and I want to get on a new Wi-Fi network and I just want to get to the wireless, the Wi-Fi settings and it's a whole other step. I've got to go into settings and I got to hit Wi-Fi and yes, I know cry me river. It's three taps, but two taps, but it's right. a request. I have two things I want to talk about still before we wrap up. I want to talk about third party apps on the watch and I want to talk about the new MacBook. Do you have anything else that okay. that's, that's like a must talk about? No. I think we could easily fill up our remaining time with that. All right. Before yeah. we get started with either, let me just thank... And this puppy's still sleeping. He's been sleeping the whole podcast. That's how bored he is of me. <laughs> He's so bored by this conversation. I, my, I had a, a boyhood family dog. I think I was in second grade when we got him. His name was Chester. And I loved him as much as I've ever loved any living being on this planet, just about. Um, and he slept... 23 hours a day i think as a puppy and then even as an adult he i think he probably slept about 21 hours a day but i was so i was i was pretty upset because i thought he would be playing with me nonstop all the time i thought so too i've been home for like the last i took off for (laughs) i I don't have a column this week and i was like oh i'm gonna play with him all day he sleeps all day and i keep i keep asking my wife i think he's depressed i think he's depressed (laughs) no we need to take him someplace no she's like no he's a puppy he just he sleeps all day that's what he's going to do and i'm like no I, i think he's got i think he's upset nope that is why else that's what they do 
it's kind of awesome if you think about it. They're they're living the life. <laughs> oh my god! He's uh, the did life. you get the week he's off so uh, just toys. to go to go meta for a second? Did you get the week off because you did uh, the Apple Watch review and the MacBook review at the same time? Which I yes, and then I decided to get a puppy like the day after. So I barely I slept for for a very long time. Uh, but yes, I did. I did get the week off for that reason. I forget how many words long my Apple Watch review was, which didn't really go into software, and it was still many, many thousands of words. And when I was done, I really felt like I needed to check myself into like a, a spa or something and recuperate. And meantime, you <laughs> had—I cannot believe that you reviewed both at the same time. People emailed me and they were uh, like, "Did you get the MacBook? Are you gonna have a review?" And I was like, "No, I did not get the MacBook. I didn't want the MacBook. I'm exhausted having reviewed the Apple Watch. <laughs> you did." Both. I, I, you know, that video took so much out of me, that Apple Watch video, because I just never thought it would actually work. We were, we spent like so much time thinking about it. And then like just so many hours editing and figuring out if this thing could come together to a piece that people would actually want to watch that we were there at the, I, I was at the office two, two or three nights in a row till 2am. And then I was like, Oh yeah. And then this, this MacBook review. I salute um, you because I don't understand how you did it all. I don't understand how you did the video and I don't understand how you did all three of the things and the, the MacBook. You had a good MacBook video too, but the Apple watch video, for those of you who haven't watched it, I'll put it in the show load. But Joanna's uh, Apple watch video was truly first person. <laughs> she literally put a helmet on that could support a, it looked like an SLR. I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it's a 70 D it's a Canon 70 D. <laughs> so no crappy GoPro. It's a, an actual, I honestly, I watched the video first. And then at the end, there is like a, a third person shot that shows you shooting it. And I was like, at first I thought it was a joke. And then I thought, no, that explains why the quality was so great. The whole thing is it's a day in the life of using Apple Watch shot literally from the first person perspective, you know, eyeball level. Uh, and the way she did it was by spending a day of her life with a helmet with with a Canon 70D in front of her face. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, I wanted to do something different because I was like, everyone's going to have video reviews of this thing. I wanted to do something different. And my whole purpose was actually to like sort of do an anti-Apple ad. Like, this is what it's like to use it in real life and not on, like, a beautiful white background. And, yeah, it just turned into this massive project. And one of the producers had done something similar. And I was like, so about this helmet camera, you think it's, like, you think it's ready to go? And... We just did I, it. And yeah, I thought it was really worked well. And I thought the other thing too, here's the other thing though, that amazes me. And, and it, it, I think it's cause I'm a very slow worker, but to me that amazes me is that not just that you did this very production intensive video and, and footage intensive, right? Cause you had to spend a whole day with the, with the helmet on. So it took a long time to get all the footage clearly took a long time to edit. And you wrote a, completely credible column reviewing it uh, and having used the watch myself and having watched the video and read your review, clearly you spent enough time using the watch to form a very informed opinion. So, because that to me is part of the problem with these review schedules is that it takes it yeah. takes so much time with the device before you can even start because you need the time to form a genuine opinion of it and to understand it. Right. I know. And I think people were concerned also about the MacBook. I had the MacBook for two weeks. Um, 
I had, and I had, you know, that was a nice thing about both of these pieces. I had, look, we could have definitely used some more time on the watch in terms of the embargo time, but um, I had it, you know, a week and a half um, and really hammered on that and then also used the MacBook as my main laptop through the whole thing. So I had a good amount of time for testing. Um, you know, battery life testing on MacBook can take quite a bit of yeah. time. And so I had, a, I had a good amount of time for that. Uh, your video include, and this is the last thing on the video. It has a hilarious cameo from Ru- uh-huh. Rupert Murdoch. How in the world did you get that? All right. Yeah. I mean, obviously some parts of the video were scripted. All right. Okay. Yeah. People have been like, so did you really just run into him? No, I, I didn't just run into Rupert with a huge ha- helmet camera on and like was like, Rupert, could you steal my watch? Um, yeah, no, that was scripted. But he was totally game. He was great to work with on it. He was just like, okay, sure. Sounds, sounds like fun. He's always struck me as having a great sense of humor. Yeah. he And he like, we didn't, I didn't say what to say. It was just like, We'll try it out, and he he was the one who really ran with it. So um, <laughs> I died yeah. at that point. It was so yeah. funny. I was like, "All right, all right, yeah, you can steal the watch." Totally. I mean, I, my idea was um, honestly just to run into him in the elevator, which actually does happen a lot. I, you know, will come up from doing a Fox News business hit, and he'll be in on the same floor, and I'll say hi. Uh, but he was like, "Oh yeah, no, sure, I'll I'll, I'll do this." So, yeah, I was. I mean, also. I, I kept joking, like, are you sure, you know, it's not the Apple Watch edition? Like, are, is it good enough for you? Because <laughs> Rupert Murdoch is clearly among the people on the planet Earth where the difference between the edition and the regular Apple right. Watch is, eh, well, whichever color I like better. <laughs> right, exactly. I thought it was great, and I really do think it also kind of, uh, it, it kind of hammers home the the, the modern the modernization of the wall street journal culture (laughs) like it wasn't out of character i think it's completely within the character of the the style of reviews you guys do now but i don't know having the publisher of the paper you know the famous publisher of the paper show up as a cameo in a review of a of a tech product i thought it was great yeah i mean i tried i wanted every scene to have a little bit of a purpose like obviously my sister saying you know I can't. Can I curse? Yeah, on the you show? can. Yeah, you can totally curse. Yeah, you know, like fuck you uh, to me. Like, <laughs> you know, I thought that was. I thought it was fun, but also showed like a people are going to be really excited about getting this watch and be like making phone calls on it. Isn't actually totally. Stupid. Everybody should watch. It's funny. I'm not going to spoil everyone. It, but... It's really funny the interpretation of that because I didn't editorialize so much. Like so many of my reviews, I basically am editorializing. I'll say buy or don't buy or. You know, this is, and in that I didn't really editorialize so much. And so people have had different interpretations of it, which is great. I've had people email me and tweet saying, I watched it three times and I'm still not sure if you liked it or you didn't like it, um, which I, I kind of love. And I think, you know, certainly people have watched it and said, I'm definitely not buying one. And other people have said, oh, you made me want one so badly. Um, you know, Business Insider completely ripped off the article and said, this is the reason you would not want to buy one or ripped off the video. Right. And I just, yeah, I've had the same thing with so, yeah. my review. I have had people, I've had responses both ways. I had people said, I was really on the fence. I was going to wait this out. Then I read your review and I thought, screw it. I'm getting one at three o'clock in the morning, you know, the day they go on sale. And then I had other people, just as many, who said, I was totally set to buy one of these. And I read your review and uh, I'm, not, I'm not buying one. I'm going to wait. I've had both responses. And I don't think that's ever happened with a product before. That I can remember. Yeah. And it wasn't just one or two. It was a, a solid half a dozen both ways. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, in the column, I was obviously a little more blatant. I've, I've told many friends I don't think they should buy this. Um, and then certainly many people read, and I've been getting tons of emails from people saying, do you think I should get this sport version? Do you think I should get this band? You know, lots of people read and said, yeah, you showed me the goods and the bads, and I'm, I'm, I'm deciding on yes or no or whatever. Yeah, I, you know, I got the, um, the Steel Edition. I'm, I'm glad I did, but I kind of wish... I had more time with the sport edition, but I think I know enough and I've definitely, you know, uh, I've seen enough and I trust Apple, you know, and from that, what other people have tried it on have said, um, and if the fact that I like those sport bands so much that I feel like anybody who's on the fence, but kind of wants one, just go ahead and get the sport one at the entry level price. And it, yeah. it, you're going to get a, a totally quality device. The cr- digital crown feels great. The button's great. It's, it, Every bit as good of build quality as Apple's other aluminum stuff, like the phones. Uh, you're getting a totally great band. Yes, it is a rubber. It's a rubber wristband, but it's really, really good one. It really is. Um, so don't worry about it. Like if you're on the fence at all, you know, and and you can definitely swing the 350 or 400 for the Sport Watch. Just get it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. And especially if you're really just interested in playing with the platform, like you're you're not getting. Uh, uh, a low tier device if you do it, but it's hard. It is a hard thing when people just want you to say, should I buy it or not? Because I do, it's it to me, I can't answer either way. I cannot just say yes or no. I can't wholeheartedly endorse it, but I can't trash it either. And I feel that business insider piece. I mean, those guys are jackasses. Um, (laughs) They're not. I thought that if there's any, you know, we all had different takes about what we liked and what we didn't like. I thought that the consensus was clearly, this is a very interesting 1.0. This is it. There's yeah. some things that are definitely that they nailed, like the fitness tracking, and there's other stuff that is a question mark. And I thought, you know, it, I thought that was the consistency across the board, that it's, yeah. you know, maybe, depends, it, you know, and you're not going to get a yes or no. Yeah, and I think this, like, I, and Apple's tagline for this was, it's on the money. You know, this is the most personal product ever. It, it's very hard to review something so personal. It's very hard to, to, to review something that specifically fits into, I mean, that fits on your body and fits into your life in a, a very distinct way. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's really hard to do something to, to, to review something where a, a big part of the appeal is whether you just think it's cool or not or fun. Um, totally. So totally. I tell you what, I, you know, I had to try it and there's only a few stores that take, there's not that many stores that take Apple pay. Um, but every time I use it at Whole Foods, uh, Every single time the cashier notices and I'm not doing it in an ostentatious way. I'm, I'm, if anything, the introvert in me is trying to sort, not hide it, but do it as surreptitiously as possible. And I've paid with Apple pay at my phone, you know, ever since the thing came out and I got a few comments about it when the phone first came out. Um, but nothing like with the watch with the watch every single time they're like, Oh my God, did you just do what I think you did? And I say, yes. And then they're like, how did, you know, some of them know that the watch isn't out yet. And they say, how did you get it? Others? I I had a cashier at whole food who had no idea what Apple watch was. All she said was, did you just pay with your watch? And I said, yes. And she goes, that is so cool. And she, I mean, I could tell she did not know that it was an Apple watch. She didn't know the name of it. All she knew is that I paid for my groceries with my watch. And she said, that is so cool. See, I found the same thing, but at Dwayne Reed, the woman behind the counter was like, that's an Apple Watch. And to me, that showed the power of like how, the excitement about this thing, where she was like, I'm buying one. I'm buying one. 
I was like, but you haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm buying one. Like, but you, but you, you don't know about it. You know? And so it was like, she just was in awe of it. She said she was buying it. And of course, it was like the first time I had tried it there. So I wasn't really sure how to get Apple Pay working. Now I obviously have no problem. I didn't. That's another thing. It's like not totally intuitive. You got to press the button twice. Um, so I did you know. this. I Here's what I did is um, the first place where I used the Apple Pay actually was in the Apple store. Uh, I had to, uh, uh, my mom's, uh, long story, but my mom broke her old iPad. And so uh, I was going up for Easter and I thought, you know what? I'll just give her a Mother's Day gift early. I'm going to get her a new iPad. It was long out of warranty. She was like an iPad too. Um, so I used Apple Pay to pay for an iPad for my mom. And um, I didn't know how it worked. And I didn't want to look it up. I really wanted to try to figure it out on my own. And I knew that I had figured, I had, I had configured the thing. You go through the phone to set up a credit card. Right. It doesn't just transfer your Apple's, your, your existing cards over. Because it can't. Because when you set up a device for Apple Pay, um, it's per device. That's part of the security, the privacy slash security of uh, the way Apple Pay works. It's per device. So in the same way that if like you replace your iPhone, if it breaks and you replace it and you restore from backup, you have to set up your cards again because it's not part of the device storage where Apple Pay gets stored. You have to set up your watch the same way. You do that, though, on the phone through the Apple Pay app. You say, I want to add a credit card, and you can add the one from your iTunes account very easily, or you can take a picture of a card, just like when you set one up on your phone, but it's different. You can't just, you don't just get the ones that you have in your passbook on your phone. So I knew I had set it up with the card, and I went to the Apple store, and I didn't know how to set it up. And I remember from the event, he's something, something about double-clicking the button, um, but I figured that was how you confirm it. I thought it would be like the phone. With the phone, you just wave right. it. And then it says, okay, you want to pay this? And then you do the touch ID and it goes through. So I figured I'll just wave my watch at the thing and it will come on and then I'll double tap that button. Um, and the clerk at the Apple store was like, holy cow, how did you get that? I, uh, you know, and it was, you know, I, I, you know, felt a little bit like a jerk and I wasn't trying to like, you know, lord it around. If anything, again, the introvert in me was trying to like, you know, Hey, let's keep this down. <laughs> I'm allowed to use it, you know? And right. they're like, you, right, right. you're allowed to do it. They want you to try it. But I was like, let's just keep it between us from now. And then you can tell everybody that somebody came in here with a watch. Um, but yeah, John, I hate to cut you off right now, but my puppy just pooped on the oh, wee wee pad. Oh God, please go. <laughs> and he, and he, it's, and go, we're so go, proud go. of him every time I'll be back in two seconds. Don't edit this out. Don't edit this out. <laughs> Come here. Good boy. Good boy. You're such a good boy. Good boy. Hello. Hello. Hi. That was so great. Yeah. It's it's a big moment when this happens. No, that's He's actually really it, I don't want to I don't want to say it too loud so he hears it but I think he's a genius. Yeah, how can he be doing it? If you've he's only if he's only been with you a week, how in the world is he already being? Oh, he's been in here. He's been with us for like 3 days. How is that possible? Yeah, he might be a genius. I know. And he's constantly going on the pad and we can't take him outside yet cuz when they're on the ground, you know, they're parva parvo some with this disease thing lives in the ground in New York City for dogs because there's so many dogs and he's not fully vaccinated so he can't go outside oh, yet. Oh, I didn't know about that. 
Yeah, so that's why he's got to go inside. We don't want him. We don't want to train the dog to go inside, but we have to for the next five weeks because oh, wow. until he gets these shots, then he can go outside. Wow, that's weird. I had no idea. Yeah, it's like a New York's because there's so many dogs everywhere. Yeah. It lives in the dog's poop and pee, you know. So if the other dog sees it and eats it or whatever, you know. It's... Anyway, uh, uh, Apple Pay at the Apple Store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I, and so you figured it out. Yeah. Well, you know, the clerk had the uh, the little hand reader, and with the phone, you just put your phone up against theirs, and then it initiates. And I'm waving my Apple Watch against the thing, and nothing is happening. And I'm like, oh man, I really wanted to try this out. Um, and I guess I had tried. Now I think about it, I had tried it at Whole Foods before, and it didn't wake up. And I thought, hmm. And it was a, it was a, it was like you know the the right before dinner, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock rush, and I didn't want to hold up the line. So I thought, I'll come back. Right. I'm here all the time. I'll come back tomorrow. So this time at the Apple Store, though, I thought I got to figure this out. And that's I, I, only by trial and error did I figure out you got to do the double press first and then wave it against it. Um, and you know, I don't know if that's. It, it, I'm not even sure what the thinking is. I think the explanation is it lowers the battery life because then the NFC thing is only listening when you've double tapped, whereas your phone is always listening for an NFC connection. I'm not quite sure. Or maybe it's, I, I don't know, but it is a little different. But then once you know it. Is it an authentic authentication thing? Can I say that word? Yeah, right? maybe. Because because on your phone, you've got to hold down touch ID. Right. And on the watch, it's just a double tap. And so this, you know, having to put it in that mode first decreases the chance that someone could just sneak by your wrist and, you know, it start right. an Apple Pay, you know, connection. Right. Once you know it, it's a cinch. And I have to say it is, I know it sounds so stupid and so lazy, but it's even easier than paying with your phone. I agree. At first, I mean, it is a little awkward because you're like holding your wrist in this certain way. You know, you're flipping your wrist upside down, but it's so brief and it's so quick. It's I've actually found I think it's quicker than my iPhone because sometimes my iPhone has problems with Touch ID now. I don't know if it's just a couple, you know, now that I've been using it so much that I probably unlock my phone, you know, I think 100 times a day, whatever. Um that it that it seems faster than using my phone. I mean, also, obviously, you don't have to pull out your phone, so that process is much faster as well. Yeah, and part of that, too, is that we're still at the tail end of the winter season on the East Coast, and so when I am out shopping, I'm wearing a coat, and it's harder to get in my pocket to get the phone out, et cetera, et cetera. So Apple Pay is great. I, I think it's it, and I think it, and it is absolutely positively a selling, a public selling point of the thing where people see you doing it in public, and then they want to buy an Apple Watch. I mean, it's, it really is. Sure. It sells the Apple Watch. And it's the silliest thing. Do you, again, if so many of the reviews are like, do you need it? No. Of course not. You don't need any of this stuff. You know, you don't even need a watch to tell time. You can get, you know, you get the time from your phone. I mean, you don't need, there's not a single thing on it that you need. It's the wrong question to ask. And Apple Pay is right there. You do not need Apple Pay. But is it nice and is it cool? <laughs> Definitely. Right. No, I, I, and that experience with that running thing, I mean, basically in that whole, you know, 20 or 30 minutes of, of that experience, I was able to experience pretty much everything you can do without using your phone. Um, and that's, you know, yes, more and more stuff will become separate from the phone, I think, in future, whether it be in this generation or more generations, future generations of the product. And that's really freeing. Yeah. Um, all right, let me take the last break. We have a fourth sponsor, and it's our good friends at Squarespace. 
you guys know Squarespace. Better Web starts with your website. Squarespace, you sign up and they handle everything for you. you it's their CMS. It is a design tool. They have templates. Um, so you want to set up a blog, you can use Squarespace to set up a blog. You want to set up a podcast, they have built-in stuff so that you just record your audio, you give it to them, and they give you an audio player, they create the RSS feed, everything you need to publish a podcast. Um, let's say your problem is totally different. You're, uh, you have a store, you, cre- you print t-shirts and you want to make a t-shirt store. Guess what? Squarespace does e-commerce right out of the box. You don't have to pay extra. They handle all of the tricky stuff with security, doing everything over HTTPS, doing using SSL. They do the credit card uh, transactions and everything like that. Um, and the prices are really, really low. It's really low prices. You get a discount if you pay for the year. Uh, and they have a promo code, JG, just my initials. So short, so many different promo codes. Some people use Daring Fireball. Some use the talk show. Some use talk show. Some use jokes, you know. Squarespace keeps it simple. Just my initials, JG. That's all you need to know. Here's the deal, though. The promo code only kicks in when you check out. And they give you a full month just to use it, set everything up, make sure you like it. And you only pay um, at the end of the month when your trial period's over. Uh, So just keep it in mind. Just remember in your mind. Back in your mind. File it away. JG. And that way you'll get a discount. You get 10% off. And they know you came from this show. They've got all sorts of new stuff. If you've ever checked out Squarespace in the past, just this year, they've launched what they call version 7. You go to squarespace.com slash 7, S-E-V-E-N, spell out the numeral, and they list all of the new features. And I really recommend anybody, if you've ever looked at Squarespace in the past, go check it out. Um, So many new stuff, it's hard to even know where to get started. Um, But they have stuff like splash pages now, like if you want to set up a web page where you get like a a front page that isn't really a homepage, it's just like a promotional type thing that you click through and then you get to the real website, you can set that up now. Uh, All of the stuff that you do design-wise is so much more WYSIWYG, where when you're logged into your Squarespace account and you're looking at your own Squarespace site, if you see something, you're like, "Ah, I want to get rid of that. I don't want to have my Twitter feed in the sidebar anymore. Or you want to add your Twitter feed to the sidebar or something like that. You just do it right there in the design, and boom, it's there on your published website. So many good things. Um, Really, just anything you might want to do with your own personal website or an organization website or even your company website, you can do it Squarespace. They even do domain name registration. So go check them out. Go to squarespace.com slash Gruber, my last name. A little confusing. I don't know. I don't know what the explanation is, but that way they know you came from the show. But just keep in mind that promo code JG saves you 10% off. So my thanks to Squarespace. All right. Third-party apps on Apple Watch. They suck. They suck. They're just slow. They're really, really slow. I I mean, I don't know. I actually wouldn't know if they suck because I've never really waited for one of them to load. Have you ever gotten the Uber to load? I got it to load. No, I, I've never gotten it to load. I got it to load one time and then it didn't do anything. And I talked to Neli. Neli said he was getting it to work one day, but it it didn't tell him which side of the building it thought he was on. And like the guy came to the, you know, the other side of the, I guess the verge office has like a front entrance and a back entrance. And the guy was like waiting at the other side because it, it just, you know, whereas you use it on your phone, it tells you exactly where it thinks it's going to pick you up. But everybody else I know, it's like, I I can't believe that they published the app. I know that they wanted apps in the app store so that those of us with review units could have some to try. Uh, 
but I can't believe the Uber one got through. Like I, nobody, nobody gets it to work. It just sits there. Yeah. I've, pulsing blue. And that actually is another thing I did when I was setting up my watch. I kind of took off pretty much almost all these apps. Cause I found my, I hate the app screen. I hate that screen. I can never accurately touch anything on here. The digital crown is really not very useful to me, to be honest. Um, and so I just took off most of the apps on here. That's an interesting. That's an interesting complaint, and I feel the same way. I feel like it is really hard to tap an individual icon, and whether it's first party or third party, whether it's one of Apple's or not. Um, yeah. I kind of wish that the default size for the icons would be a little bigger. Like you can zoom in and zoom out, but when you're sort of there's sort of is a default size where it settles in at, and I feel like it shows too many apps as opposed to showing fewer, bigger apps to make them easier touch targets. I, I still right. two and weeks why, later, like if I delete ones, why wouldn't it just become bigger? Like why, you know, as you delete these little icons, they don't become bigger. I just wish that as you zoom the crown, that you could stop at a bigger spot yes. and then it would stay there as opposed to you, you make them a little bigger and then you let, and you just go you in, let go and it just settles back. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. I I can't help but think they're going to I, I have to address this. It's really, it, it's, it's just too finicky. It's, you know, and it, and it comes back to stuff that Apple even bragged about with the iPhone where, where they measured, you know, optimal touch sizes for average fingertips. And then, you know, knowing that the original iPhone was 163 you know, pixels per inch, that means that the minimum, you know, touch size is 40. And, you know, two different buttons should be at least this far apart to avoid accidentally touching one when you meant the other. Um, And all those details of how many pixels it was. And now with the retina screens, it's all in points, which are double the size, but you can just deal with them the same way. Uh, you, You have to be a developer designer to care about the specific numbers. But as a user, all it meant was when you used an iPhone, the thing you thought you were tapping was the thing you were tapping almost every time. Whereas on that. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I thought this might be a reason to get the bigger screen, but it sounds like, I mean, it also assumes that if you have a bigger screen, you've got bigger fingers. Um, but those touch targets aren't even any better on the bigger screen. Yeah, I don't think so. Now that doesn't mean though, that there isn't an easy way to launch some of these apps, because one of the things that I don't think Apple has emphasized enough is that from the regular watch face, if you have a complication up, you can just tap it to go to that app. So I always have the temperature up on all of the watch faces that I use. And if I tap the temperature from my watch face, it jumps me to the weather app. And it seems as though the touch target for that is it's like the whole corner. It's the whole corner of the display and it always works. I don't miss it. And I never tap the wrong thing and get something else. Whereas from that app, that's how I get to my activity app. I don't even, I don't even know if they're calling at the home screen. Um, I, maybe they are, but I don't even think of it as the home screen. And I, it, it's like one of the things you have to get used to is as an iPhone or iPad user is you think of the home screen as the thing where you've hit a button and you see all your apps and then you, that's your home screen. To me, the home screen on the watch is the watch face. And you configure that the way you want it with your most used things and you launch things there. And the home screen on the watch, the, the one you launch the apps from, I hate to say it because I think it's, you know, it. It, to me, it's like the Android all apps screen. I was just thinking the same thing. It really is. It's the, but yet it's like, 
a tap away all like that's what I don't like the digital crown I just feel like I wish I could map that button to be something else instead of going to the all your apps yes yeah I don't know it, it's like I see why it's there and it's I just wish I could make them bigger and um and it is an interesting way to just say okay here's everything else I mean and right. it's the design of it the way that you don't even organize them into pages I kind of like that uh I kind of like that you don't have to organize it. I feel like fiddly, fiddling with the exact placement of which apps are on which screen on your iPhone can get old after a time. I kind of like that it's just this big globby thing that you can glide around. I could actually see that even working on the iPhone, at least as an option. It might be that everybody's muscle memory is so much that they can't just change it to be like that for everybody. But as an option, I might that might be an interesting way to, to get your apps on, on an iPhone. Um, my favorite thing is like I just it 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 makes me wonder like did they like who did they think could when you hold down to delete an app you get the tiny little X <laughs> I mean at, like I said in my like the video like is this for people with really small doll fingers like how are you supposed to delete that like you can you can hit it but like it's you're really holding your watch up close to your face to delete this. Thing. That's one of the features where you can do it both from the watch and from right. the app on the phone. And I kind of feel like maybe they should have made that just a, uh, just a phone only thing. And there's other things where the tap targets to me are, are pretty good. So like when you're picking a button, like you're texting with somebody and you're like reply, and then it gives you a bunch of options to choose from like, yes, no. Okay. Absolutely. Um, those are generously sized and I, you know, I don't find myself miss tapping on them. I feel like they're big enough, but these little app icons on the app launching screen are too small. Yeah. Aesthetically, yeah. I see why they did it, but it's I, I really can't believe that it passed their own internal use. Um, and the, the thing with the third-party apps is this: the way that they work, and I don't want to go into technical details of it, but the, they're, they're not really apps. They're called WatchKit extensions, and you have to have the app on your phone. It, it, there's a real app on your phone for every one of them. There's no such thing yet as a watch-only app, third-party. Third so it's running on your phone. You can optionally, for any app on your phone that has a WatchKit extension, you can choose whether it, it is there or not on your watch uh, using the Apple Watch app on your phone. And if it's there, it's there. But then when you run it, it doesn't really run on your phone. It's not executing code on the CPU on the watch. I mean, it doesn't really run on the watch. It doesn't execute code on the watch. It transmits over Bluetooth to your phone, and it executes on your phone, and then it projects these views onto your watch. Your watch, more or less, is sort of like a CarPlay display, except it's only an inch big. Um, and it means everything is a little laggy. It is super laggy to load. It's laggy to get data. And it's even like button pushes are laggy. Yeah. And I've no, I mean, even just to me, the going through glances is laggy. Ooh, even the glances? Hmm. Like go, like paging through the glances. Yeah, because sometimes they're not loaded yet. Right. But I do. Do you use the glances? I do use the glances. That's the other thing that I feel like keeps you from going to that app launching home screen. Is for the stuff that I do most frequently, I just go to the glance. Yeah, um, I don't use it all that much. Um, the heart rate, and then the battery life. Obviously. Yeah. What about the now playing? Now playing is pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's cool. I don't use it. I mean, I guess when I'm running, I have, but I haven't really been using hmm. it too much. So the now playing glance, I think is pretty cool. So whatever your iPhone is playing, whether it has a watch extension or not, if it's playing audio on your phone to your headphones, you can control, you know, play, play, pause, fast forward from the watch using the glance. Yeah. Sorry. This puppy's destroying the apartment. <laughs> if you need to go, just go. You just, just drop your mic. I'm just watching him. <laughs> it's almost better. Cause I'm like, I can't communicate with this dog right now. So it's like, I have like a little bit of a eye into his brain. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what you really want to do. And you don't have my attention because I can't like respond back. The bottom line is it, it doesn't okay. make me not like the watch, but it makes me question whether there should be third party apps for it at all yet. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, like that was a thought I had early on when I got this thing was I just could not believe how much Apple was trying to do with it in a first generation product. Um, certainly ambitious, but it's just a lot. And it's very confusing. I mean, it takes a little bit of time, a couple of days to figure out how to use this thing. I See, I think confusing is slightly wrong because confusing, it, 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 to me, it's disorienting at first. Whereas confusing to me implies that there's no logical layout to it. To me, it's like it's like you're in a well-laid-out building, but it's a big enough building that it's going to take you a couple of days to figure out your way around. But then once you do, there's a sense to it. Like, I do think it's very logically designed in a good way. But there's no question about it that when you first strap it on your wrist, it is disorienting. And you're like, well, how in the world do I turn this off? And it's, you, you know, you're spending half your time poking around your wrist and half your time poking around the, the watch on your phone, and it's... It's confusing. Well, I just said confusing, so maybe it is confusing. I think it's confusing. I, to me, the, the biggest source of confusion is the stuff that what's on the phone to control the watch and what's on the watch itself. That took me a long time, and you kind of have to learn it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, the, it's funny. Like, the companion app... I did not talk enough, uh, talk enough about, but it really, that's what you've got to live in in the first couple of days when you're first setting this thing up. Yes, absolutely. Like it's, you know, I think it's going to stay on your first iPhone home screen, but it's definitely it should yeah. be on your first iPhone home screen when you're first setting it up. It's on mine. Yeah. For, it still is. Um, yeah. There's other cool stuff though. Like the stuff. And again, I don't think notifications are a huge reason for it. I, I know, you know, everybody, I, I think, I think some people it's a big deal, but I think there's a reason why Apple isn't making that a flagship tentpole thing that they're not even talking about notifications. It's the, you know, using it as a watch, using it as a status indicator for things like the weather and your appointments and um, your fitness goals and stuff like that. And then to me, the, just the glances where you're not using apps, you're just quickly seeing something are the, to me, the primary points. And then this communication stuff, who knows? We have to see how that goes. Right. And, the, and the fitness stuff, for sure. And then the fitness stuff, definitely, but it's it's almost like a wholly separate product category. Right. Um, right. All right. Last but not least, the new MacBook. Yes. I've got, probably got like 10 minutes till this, That's this guy abs- jumps out the Absolutely window. perfect. I, I think we can cover it quickly because it's... To me, I, I thought your review was a little harsh in a way that I feel like you 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 were a little down on it overall. 
because the battery life isn't as good and living with one port is it's it seems early like in your your whole gimmick of it the gimmick of your the conceit of your video is that it's a uh it's a laptop from the future right without the ecosystem to support it uh, I think it's, you know, I feel like what you underplayed is exactly how much it's the, the scenario is like the original MacBook Air, which to me, it's just it's just a replay of that. Right. Right. Except. No, I totally except agree. that the original MacBook Air was even more outrageously priced. If you know, it was like it was like over two thousand dollars. True. True. I You know, I came at it looking at. There's two ways of looking at it, right? One was the price for what you get. And then there was how much does this thing push the boundaries of what we have right now in our current laptops? So, you know, I was trying to look at it from both of those places. And you're right. In the end, like I came at it a little bit harsh because I think for me, there was no way I was going to get this thing. Um, and certainly there there are definitely people I've heard from that, said, okay, that's great. It's not for you, but I'm definitely getting one. Um, and the main reasons that I wanted it were for the reasons that it pushed ahead laptops. Like it's so incredibly beautiful, this machine. It just, I mean, I love the trackpad. The keyboard is, is nice, but that's, you know, just between the trackpad and the screen, I really want this thing. And then there were all of these other things that when you looked at it in comparison to what you can get for the price for other laptops, it just didn't measure up. And it was this, obviously this push and pull of the compromise situation, which was the same with the original Mac, with the original Air. And, you know, both the performance and the battery life and that one port, I just felt like that is not pushing something ahead. And... I liked what your comment was, you know, in terms of looking at it, in terms of comparing to the iPad. But again, when you think about the iPad, you're, you take a performance hit. It doesn't have, and it's not supposed to have the same performance as a laptop, as a, as a computer, right? I mean, obviously those lines are blurring as we forge into this interesting area of these devices being both. But you take a big performance hit on this laptop. And it's, I felt it. It's a noticeable performance hit coming from the air. Yeah. And it's a noticeable one in battery life. Now, of course, the battery life has different things, right? If you compare it to the 11-inch Air, it's getting more battery life, which is impressive. But most people coming from a 13-inch Air, which is very portable for them, has the power they need, were used to all-day battery life. And I just was not getting all-day battery life from this thing. Uh, I used to use an, I used an 11-inch Air for years and I because I'm the sort if, – if I'm going to go in one direction, I like to go to the extreme. If I'm going to get a – the lightest, smallest laptop. I want the light. I want it even smaller. I want the 11, not the 13. Um, but I think if you look at sales numbers and if you just sort of eyeball coffee shops, the 13 inch is clearly the, the, the main Apple, the 13 inch air is the flagship Apple laptop. Like, or or maybe flagships the wrong word, but it's certainly the most common one. And it's so therefore it's the baseline to compare everything against. And I think it's fair to say, therefore, I think it's fair to say the new MacBook gets worse battery life, even if it's better than the 11, because I feel like it's it's a it, it's eventually going to replace the 13 as we go on. Right. I think the thing that most a lot of people complaining about it, um, what they really wanted, I feel like, is a ice water and hell scenario. Like you can't just because you want it doesn't mean it's possible. As I think what most people who are disappointed wanted was for Apple to just put retina screens in the MacBook Air 
that I love everything else about my air. All I want is a retina screen. Why couldn't you just give me that? Keep my USB right. ports. Keep my MagSafe charger. Um, let me have a Thunderbolt. I, you know, if you it, certainly if you plug this thing into a Thunderbolt display, you're screwed because the eighty dollar adapter doesn't even have Thunderbolt. Um, and why couldn't you just give me that? And I think the reason you can't, you couldn't do that, is that it, it clearly these Retina screens take up so much more battery power that the air form factor wouldn't work. It had to be re-engineered. Right, and. I, I would obviously love that product. I would love that product. And it's part of why I'm at this point considering getting a Retina 13 because actually the battery life has gotten better on that 13. It has force touch. It has the Retina screen. Like, I actually think it's a that laptop is a, is a better buy at some points now than the 13-inch Air, especially if you're not on a strict budget. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, to me, it just, it was a hard, it's it's hard to recommend to people but it is an amazing feat of engineering. It is a beautiful laptop, and it's a pleasure to use when you are plugged into a wall and don't need anything else yeah. from it. And for the people who are out there, and I know that it people like us, like people who really push the machines, don't qualify for it. But I think out in the real world, there right. are a lot of people who are like, I've never plugged anything into my MacBook. And I've heard right. from people who say like that they're... You know, yes, they, you know, I read during Fireball, but my husband or my wife or whoever that they know, their daughter or whatever, their son, never plugs anything in their in their MacBook. Well, then it might be a great machine, right? It's- and and that's where like people were saying, well, I don't need that power. I don't need it. It's a, well, then that's great. You're paying for this beautiful design and this beautiful screen, but you're compromising the power and the battery life. Yeah. Um, and that's fine, but you're paying more money to get less. You know. Albeit less functionality. Right. The other thing, last but not least, is that one USB C port. And I know John Syracuse has, he seems truly confounded by, I'm not quite caught up on the Accidental Tech Podcast as we record this, but I know he's gone over and over, like, why not two? Why only one? Why one? Right. And right. I don't, I cannot bring myself to believe that it's engineering. I cannot believe that they couldn't, that, that putting a second one in would. You know, obviously it would take some space and therefore it take a little bit of the battery space away. I just can't believe it would matter that much for something that clearly is a pretty small part. I think it's a philosophical thing where they philosophically wanted to make it like the iPad where there's one port. And the right. downfall of that, though, is that nobody has ever grown the habit of charging devices from their iPad. And the and the iPad gets longer battery life too. Um, yeah, I mean just just by the nature that have we use it right. Like I don't charge my iPad every day because I don't live on it all, every day, right? I mean I charge it every couple of days by my yeah. nightstand just because I like to have more power in it. Even though I don't have D- to. Different like people that. use USB ports for all sorts of different things. I know photographers, you know, are plugging in cameras and they're you know and they're all sorts of other things, peripherals, external hard drives for some people. But the one to me, the Apple to me, maybe is in a little bit of denial with on the, the one port on the MacBook is, and you and I just talked about this half an hour ago, is the need yeah. to charge your iPhone during the day. And I know yes. I've done it. I've done it when I'm out of the house and working remotely that I don't even plug, I'll, you know, like from the train and Amtrak, if I can, if I'm don't have a working AC adapter next to me, or if I'm, don't have the window seat and I don't want to reach across a stranger to plug in. Uh, I'll just plug my phone because I know that I'm going to get home from to Philly from New York with plenty of battery life on my MacBook Pro. I'll just borrow some of that and 
rejuice my phone. And if you're also charging your MacBook, you can't do that right. now, right? And there are some times right. where your MacBook's already run down and you want to charge your phone and you need that second port just as a charger. Right. You need this dongle. Basically, you need this dongle to get by with using this laptop, right. in my opinion. And again. It's like they should just bundle the dongle, which they're definitely not going to ever do. And they charge $80 what? for the and dongle. It, and, it, and the $80 price on that really plays into the worst of perceiving Apple. Because to me, it's it's actually accurate. It, it is. They're, they're the richest company in the world. And they're charging... And they're charging for plastic. <laughs> for an dongle. $80 thing that is, quite frankly, ugly by necessity, right? Like you've, t- right. you've taken. It's got to have three ports. You, it's like. You've, take, you've taken this graceful little tiny, elegant USB C port and turned it into this big white thing that looks like it's, you know, like something they would hook up to you in a hospital uh, with three ugly ports on it, or two ugly ports and one more USB C port. Right. I mean,. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I should have looked at it a little bit closer to the iPad and that use case. And I certainly think that is the way we are going. And that's where I think, like, as we as this future evolves, like, that is what our computers look like. It's like, all we need is a screen with a flat piece of keyboard. Uh, and, you know, and, and actually, it's very close to what Microsoft's been trying to do with the Surface for a long time now. Um, but more and more... When I review that Surface or use that Surface, I just wish it was a laptop. So I, I really like the way they've gone with this. Um, you know, what remains interesting to me, or remain, we, you know, we don't know yet, is what that iPad Pro might look like. Right. Um, and how do those? How do? How are those any different than what we've seen with the MacBook? But I think it's pretty clear, um, like where you know. When something starts as a laptop and has some of that tablet functionality, or we have that tablet that becomes that laptop, where the sacrifices are, in this case, it just seems like we are making too many sacrifices to move in that direction. Yeah, and right I think now. for everybody like us and the people who probably listen to this show, it is—it's a device from the future. It's a prototype from the future that's not ready for our day-to-day use, but it will be. And I think it's—it's it's a clear bet from Apple that two or three years from now, we are going to be using a laptop that really is just as much a little peripheral as the ipad is right and what i love about it is it means like there is this huge bright future for laptops um or just devices that we can be highly productive on that don't look like this traditional computer or laptop we've we've known right i mean and that's what the air was right and that was such a huge step in the industry. And this this is also going to be a huge step in the industry. There's no way we're not going to see Asus or Microsoft or some other PC manufacturer taking notes from this and trying to do something very similar very soon. Yeah. Uh, great points. Thank you so much for your time. Amazing. Thank you so much for re- reviewing so many products in one week. <laughs> yeah, never again. I, I say never again, but of course... Uh, and getting a puppy in the same place. <laughs> All while getting a new Probably puppy. the worst mistake of it. Uh, the homepage. Uh, best place to read uh, is WSJD.com. Is that? Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. That's the homepage for the Wall Street Journal digital team. Uh, Joanna Stern, some of the I, unbelievable timing because I would have wanted to have you on to talk about the MacBook. I would have wanted you to have you on to talk about the Apple Watch. And I got to have you on to talk about both. So I... Cannot thank you enough for your time. Yeah, no, I love doing it. 
All right. Good luck with. I got to find my own podcast or something. Good luck. I don't know. I just can't find the time. <laughs> it's surprising how hard it can be. Yeah. Good luck with the yeah. dog poop. <laughs>